Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Tuesday, the 12th of July. It's Steve Allen's early spike uh, for Tuesday morning. I can't believe it's Tuesday. I keep thinking it's later. Uh, Yesterday, we had a big interview, Star Trek, lots of fans outside in the street. Somebody misheard my... I get more people who mishear than anybody else. I think by the time it gets to four o'clock in the morning, the barking mad have gone so far off the edge, matrons even forgotten to give them medication. And yesterday, somebody so misheard this programme, it was almost an embarrassment. So the person who monitors my, my Twitter decided to delete them. And then somebody wrote it and said, why have you banned this person? I said, because they're stupid. I can't deal with stupidity. I really, I'm far too short-tempered for that. The gambling addict of £1.7 million fraud, the roller coaster ride, because some buffoons stuck their leg out the side of it. What is the matter with these people? If I'd been sitting on that roller coaster and somebody had their leg out the side... I mean, really, it, it, luckily somebody saw it on the CCTV because the barriers are quite close. It could have taken somebody's leg off. There's always some idiot, isn't there? Always some idiot out there. There's also the couple who've turned their house into Hogwarts. Uh, the producer liked that one, whereas I thought he was mad as a fruitcake. Uh, and uh, the latest TV show where couples strip each other. Where is it? This obsession in this country of people taking their clothes off. Love Island. Oh, and the, this is the bonking happy couple. Pfft. Not not as far as I'm concerned. And who are the biggest organised crime gang in the country? A little-known fact, ladies and gentlemen. The biggest organised crime gang in the country, wait for it, it's the Women's Institute. They're organised crime. They are the worst possible vandals that there are. Yes. Who said so? The police. Why? I'll tell you later on. And how many migrants can you fit in a three-bedroom terrace? The answer is 17, apparently. 17 with no water, no heating, no lighting, no nothing at all, but 17 managed to cram in there. Plus, Sarah Ferguson, the professor of... Well, we're not really sure, actually. I mean, it's the, it's the rebuilding of Sarah Ferguson. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think anybody gives a stuff. So some university, where I believe her ex-husband, that's the waste of space that is Prince Andrew, has decreed that she should get some awards. They've given her this professorship. It's so incestuous and so wasted. It really is. But there you go. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Everything we weave in on the programme. And uh, we'll tell you about the, f- uh, the firefighters. Twelve of them came out to save one seagull. Hardly worth bothering, but there you go. And why bullfighting is so loved in Spain. They've had the funeral of the bullfighter already, who got gored to death by the, what is it, 85 stone bull. Can't help feeling there was a bit of justice there. But there again, I'm not a fan of bullfighting. I don't have to be a fan of bullfighting. We don't have it in this country. We're far too civilised. But the Spanish seem to think that it's, uh, it's something they want to watch. I don't know why. I really can't understand why in a million years you'd want to antagonise a bull to, the, you know, to, to that situation which you get to where the thing is just furious. And then it, sort of, it seems to slow down. I always imagine that you know, if, if a bull's going to go running at a piece of red cloth waved at it by the matador, it should take a really good run at it. But, of course, they don't. They just sort of stand and they turn round and they're doing it slowly because they're slowly drained. They're slowly drained of all their energy by the picadors. And uh, then we had the case the other day of the matador who was gored to death. First of all, the, you know, the bull caught him. He was about, a, he was half a second the wrong side. He was half a second the wrong side. He didn't have the experience. He didn't know what was going to happen. And the bull caught him. And when those horns go in, they go in. And it literally tossed him in the air when he was on the ground. Then it went in. It went in for that's what they do. They're bred to be fighting bulls, you know, and they seem surprised when they kill a matador. <laughs> you know, kind of makes perfect sense to me. In Pamplona, somebody else was injured the other day. And um, 
it was a case of, I think, somebody was trying to save somebody the other side of the barriers, and the bull got in there. And they all go, oh, what are we going to do now? And you think, well, that's what you're there for, isn't it? Aren't you there to try and outrun the bulls of Pamplona? And the bulls of Pamplona are going, we're going to get one or two of you at least. And luckily, most years they do. Uh, the biggest amount of cocaine found in this country it was coming in on a ship up in Aberdeen, I believe. And the whole front half of the ship, uh, up in the up on the bit at the front, is it the stern? Can't remember. Anyway, uh, that was uh, a false compartment full of cocaine worth five hundred and twelve million pounds. Five hundred and twelve million pounds—a phenomenal amount of money. And the two Turkish people, one of whom didn't speak a word of English in court, always advisable, I think, getting the elder interpreters, keep some keep some work going for somebody. Uh, and they're going to be sentenced next month. But five hundred and twelve million pounds worth of cocaine—that's street value. That's a lot of cocaine. They reckon that's the biggest amount that they've ever found in one hit because there's so much money in cocaine there's probably another 512 million pounds came in somewhere else up the coast but as they were all taken with this thing it took them ages to do a, a lifting you know spree and to get it on the docks and they had to get a crane to lift it in and then they took it into court they took it into court to show the people what 512 million pounds worth looks like and it's a lot it's a real lot it really is anyway yesterday was quite a nice day rained a little bit nothing too uh, nothing too special uh, i did my star trek interview i have to be brutally honest i didn't think it was one of, one of my better interviews i know when i when i come away from an interview thinking i think i nailed that one and and i think i did i did well on it but i don't think it was one of my best ones and i don't know why I don't know why. I couldn't quite work it out. He was charming. I was charming. I'd seen the film. He'd seen the film. Um, and it, I just didn't think it was one of my better ones. And I, it's, not, it's not very often that I admit to things like that, because mostly I think I'm absolutely brilliant, as you can well imagine. That's why I'm still doing it. But this one didn't quite nail it for me. Didn't quite get there. Anyway, there's neither here nor there. But I was telling the story yesterday... Uh, <laughs> Of, um, of how I went to Pret-a-Manger. And this is where, where people seem to have selective hearing, especially some poor old baggage the other day. And they selected... I, mean, I got this thing from the CEO of Pret-a-Manger. And all it said was, um, at Steve Allen's show, let us know which branch this was, and I'll, I'll, I'll get it sorted. And I thought, what was that? I went into Pret-a-Manger while I was waiting for the screening. To have a, uh, I, was, I, I bought a bottle of water and two things which are like sort of flaky with cheese and a bit of tomato and some ham in there, like a sort of a sort of a croissant type thing, which are warm. And I had that and and then I left. So I thought I couldn't I couldn't remember what Pret-a-Manger story I told yesterday that would warrant the CEO wanting to look into something until I checked on the stupid old bag who'd written on uh, on their website about Steve Allen had seen food being taken out and thrown in a refuse vehicle, which, of course, was a blatant lie, a blatant lie. What I said was, and I played it back to myself again yesterday, because I know what I say on the programme. I said I saw so much rubbish coming out in all these sacks. It must have been out 20 sacks of rubbish. And I said, and I kept thinking, how much rubbish is there with all these other... Sh That's just one outlet. How much rubbish is there? This poor old deaf so-and-so... Couldn't even hear that I said rubbish. I never mentioned food waste at all. I was well aware of how uh, Pret-a-Manger get rid of their food at the end of the day. They go and give it to, uh, to homeless people. I never said it was thrown away at all. I felt like suing this woman, you know, for defamation of character. And so I've consulted a solicitor. She's titled, apparently. Titled, if you please. Probably made up, as indeed probably most of her profile is. And, and I thought, I think I might sue for defamation of character. I'm toying with the idea. Anyway, I'm thinking about it at the moment. So that was yesterday. So then we, we sort of wrote to them and said, listen, we didn't say this. What we said was, we saw all this rubbish coming out in these sacks. 
Never mentioned food at all. In fact, I don't even remember saying what I'd eaten for food in there. So that was that. Uh, packing do on holiday at the moment. Everybody's on holiday. Have you noticed? Everybody's on holiday at the moment. How fantastic. People love holidays. They absolutely love it. And they get very excited. My brother's gone on his holiday. And uh, who else has gone? Oh, everybody's going on holiday, I seem to know, at the moment. They're all going away for a few days. And uh, and then uh, Stephen Milne the other day, he was going off on holiday to Spain. So he tweeted later on. And off to Sri Lanka today is uh, is Maria. She says, can I bring you some tea? Some of the best tea in the world comes from Sri Lanka. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what sort of tea. I mean, it's all. Is it? Is it the best tea in the world from Sri Lanka? I'm not really well up on tea. I just do. Excuse me. Actually, ironically, I'm in, dr- drinking coffee this morning. <laughs> drinking coffee. And, um, and so it's a case of uh, tea. Yeah. I drink Earl Grey, Lady Grey, breakfast tea. And I think that's about it. I drink anything that comes from Twinings. I know there are other brands available, but I've only I've tried that. And out of all the ones that I've tried, that's the one I like the most. And I know you're supposed to drink leaf tea, but, I mean, to be honest with you, who can be bothered? Who can seriously be bothered? My mother used to. We used to have a tea strainer. When I go to Patisserie Valerie to get breakfast on a, on a Sunday morning, if I'm lucky enough to go there, they always have loose leaf tea in the pot. And I always think, why don't they use tea bags? Because you've got to put the tea strainer on and do that. And it's so messy. It's so messy. But we grew up having that. And then they brought out a little tea, a tea thing. It was like two halves of a coconut together. It's small, obviously, in mesh. And you put the tea in there and then dangled it in the pot. But we used to take the tea leaves years ago. And and I can always remember making a pot of tea. And you had a nice china pot. The people listening now go, that's how I still make tea. And you'd you'd warm the pot. So you put a little bit of hot water in the pot. And then you put the lid back on again. We always had a tea cosy. Always had a tea cosy, all sorts of nice tea cosies out there. Sometimes, if you were lucky, somebody knitted one in the family. And so we had a lovely tea cosy. And, and I remember you, you'd warm the pot, then you'd empty it out, and then you'd, we had a, a thing on the wall that had the tea in it, and you pushed the button, it dispensed one, one teaspoonful of tea. And so we'd do, you'd do, if it was for three people, you'd do three, and then one for the pot. I don't know why we did one for the pot, we just did. And so that was, that was, that was lovely. And then you poured the tea, and you had to let it brew. You couldn't just pour it out straight away and you put the tea cosy on. And uh, and that was it. And I've said yesterday, you will not get something... Oh, take my shoes off. Uh, something nicer than a, than a cup of tea. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're sitting by the seaside or you're sitting on the pier or you're sitting in your back garden. You cannot beat somebody bringing you out a cup of tea and somebody saying, would you like a cup of tea? And you go, absolutely. It's funny, isn't it? It sort of refreshes all the parts that other drinks can't reach, with the exception of Prosecco. And... Or, or shots, vodka shots, or anything like that. I don't do vodka shots, actually. I, I'm really, I'm not a vodka shot person. If I was having a choice, it would be Prosecco. I would drink vodka, but it would either be Belvedere or something like that. I just, and I'd, I'm not, I'm not mad about vodka. It's okay. Okay, I'm not going to turn it down if somebody, somebody offers me vodka, which is, of course, very nice and very exclusive. But uh, it's, it's the Prosecco that actually does it for me. It really does. I absolutely love it. And uh, so that was that. And then, then we had yesterday Theresa May. She's going to be standing. And now she's going to be moving in, we think. Is it tomorrow? How he's going to get all his stuff out in 48 hours? I've got no idea. I mean, that is some move. That really is some move. It's going to be brilliant. The cat stays, but then the cat's always stayed. I don't know why they go, the cat could be moved. Moved to where? It's the Downing Street cat. It couldn't care who's there. You know what cats are like? Oh, there's somebody else coming in. 
do I look like I'm bothered? As long as they feed me, I don't care. And so she, she's going to move in. OK, that's fine. But again, it's all this hogwash, isn't it, that we're being fed. Every time we come up to anything whereby they, they need your support, and they go, of course, we're going to be doing this. And they tell you everything that you want to hear. And they achieve nothing. Absolutely zero. So Theresa May says, oh, I'm going to be sorting out all these foreign criminals in this country. I thought, with what laws, dear? You've not managed before. We haven't managed to get rid of We had a man the other day, four times we've tried to deport him. He's a drug dealer. He deals in drugs. We've just sent him to prison for the fourth time. We've got paedophiles, convicted paedophiles. We can't get rid of them because they've managed to impregnate some old baggage over here and they've now got the right to a family life. So how she thinks she's going to get rid of these people, I've got no idea. Again... It's a load of old hooey. It's a load of old smoke screen, isn't it? It's smoke and mirrors. And as long as they tell you that, they won't be able to get rid of them, anybody. They'll, all, all they'll do is just find a super high-powered lawyer and they'll be, uh, they'll, they'll be sort of staying in the country. And they'll be continuing to rape and attack people and mug them. There was a woman the other day mugged in a churchyard. She was tending flowers on a grave. She got mugged by this bloke. And, um, and we can't get rid of him because he's got the right to a family life. I'm thinking, not under my jurisdiction it wouldn't be. My God, I tell you, if I was running the country, I'd be changing it straight away. Act of Parliament will sit here till we get it done my way. I'd have them sitting all night. Couldn't care less whether they'd fall asleep. Uh, seven to... Oh, I still can't get the time right, can I? Seven... Mind you, I'm better at uh, uh, Darren uh, getting the time right. I mean, seeing us at the beginning of the programme, partly due to the producer of the programme, we're back to him again. Yes, the one... It was you. Who typed the note up then? Who typed... Don't start. Don't start. Who typed the note up? Don't start. Who typed the note up then to Darren saying he's not ready? Who? That was the assistant producer. See, you've started buck passing already. Already you cannot, you know, put it on your own shoulders. You have to pass it on to poor little David, who probably knew nothing that was going on at all. It obviously comes from you. Obviously comes from you as you're the producer. What does he produce this morning? Nothing. He said to me at one point, we're sitting out there and we've done the usual sort of polite badinage where I get bored within about five. And he starts telling me some dreary story about something happening on one of our other sister stations, which I'm going to have to check out with the main presenter because he's a close personal friend. And, and he started telling this story. And to be honest with you, I was struggling to keep my eyes open. Luckily, you're never going to hear an Australian voice on LBC presenting a programme. You know, you're re- because they've got the voices that if you're driving at the wheel, you could be having accidents all over the place because they just... And it's just... Oh God. At one point, I did say to him, I said, is this a long story? Thinking, do I need to go to the toilet now and get a glass of water or come back? And I don't want to hear the story again, no, because I want to try and stay awake for the programme. And uh, the last time we had one of these conversations, one of our sister stations lifted it and played it on there. But actually, I don't mind. I always think that uh, imitation is a form of flattery. Well, that's what I always come up with. If somebody does an impression of you, you think, that's really quite flattering, because, you know, you, I, I did a very good impression the other day. Oh, Steve, what do you want today? You know that? That's my milkman. It's fantastic. I mean, I'm the only one that knows it's him. Nobody else knows it, so I've, I've sort of made him famous. I could do, I could do, do the postman. All right, Steve. It's uncanny. No? no? You don't do impressions, do you? You're looking at the clock again. Not we take a break? No, I can't be bothered now. One of these days I'm going to run all the way through on the programme without taking a break at all, just to see how many people I can annoy at this time of the morning. Because I'm in that kind of mood today. Because I've had, um, what have I had? Oh, I had a sandwich. Had a sandwich. Yeah, look, because I'm rich. 
course, producers just come back from a music. Well, he said it's a music festival. He said to me, he said, I've just come back from tea in the park. I said, big deal. You know, I don't tell people when I've been sort of fishing in the park or something like that. I said, so you went and sat in the park and had a cup of tea. He said, no, it's a music festival. I'm assuming it's one of these folk things that they have in sort of Scotland. And they all go up there and he said it's, it's very muddy, which makes me sound as though it's, it's a little bit of a perverted kind of event to go to because he sort of he seemed to thrive on the fact that it was muddy and wet. And I thought, oh, dear. And he's still got this obsession with Laura Whitmore. You know, one of these days he's hoping that Laura Whitmore is going to turn around and go, my, you're attractive. But of course she's not. She's never going to be saying that. She might be saying a few other things, but attractive wouldn't be one of the words she'd be using. It's 4.20. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Anything under four minutes is blooming useful for me on that channel. Useless. Anyway, uh, nice to be company. Welcome along to the programme. Uh, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Theresa May is to become the UK's Prime Minister on Wednesday, with the British people voting for Brexit. How does the new Tory leader go about triggering... Article 50, and when should reluctant remainder May kickstart the process? In 2007, Theresa May says unelected PM Gordon Brown had no mandate without an election. So should the Tory leader now call for a general election? We'll be speaking to the Defence Secretary, Michael Fallon, about why Theresa May is the right woman to lead the country and whether he'll keep his job in her cabinet. That's uh, Nick Ferrari looking uh, at all the news stories fit to talk about this morning on LBC. Stop biting your nails. So infuriating this morning, really. Honestly, you're really getting on my nerves. I'm going to ask him to put a blind in this studio so I don't have to sort of sit there gnawing his nails. There's nothing more infuriating than somebody sitting there biting their nails. Dreadful. Uh, the guest looking at the papers today is Matthew Taylor, Chief Executive of the Royal Society of Arts, the RSA, and a former Downing Street advisor to Tony Blair. Between 2003 2006. I know where the Royal Society of Arts is, actually. I nearly joined it. I nearly joined it because they've got a piece of history there, which I quite like. Hallmark uh, Channel are doing Christmas in July. Christmas movies on every weekend this month. It's like Steve Allen's DVD collection, says my friend Ian. Oh, don't. I watched a Christmas film the other day, Ian. I can't help it. And this morning, before the programme started, I'm on YouTube watching Noel Edmonds' Christmas presents. I love them. I seriously love them. I could sit there. I could weep buckets. Seriously. I'm such a wuss when it comes to anything Christmassy. But, of course, I mean, because I was singing things Christmassy out in the office, all I'm getting from the producer is, and somebody just reminded me I've started early on him today, uh, I was sort of singing, and he goes, it's July. And I went, you don't need to point out the patent, the obvious, but I suddenly realised, being Australian, they have to remind each other where they are. I mean, he didn't know. I was trying to explain I did an interview yesterday, and he thought it was Sunday yesterday, and that's that's where he's he's coming from, because he's obviously been on some mind-bending trip or something up on this tea in a field watching some beat combos bang out their latest hits like Kumbaya and Ten Green Bottles. And, and then he comes back down to London. And what's he still got on? He's still got his wrist tags because that is the badge of honour. The wrist tag from any festival is the badge of honour. To be honest with you, he might as well have them all the way up his arm. I said, shall I, shall I cut it off? He said, no, it's I've only just got back. He hasn't. He's been back for hours and hours and hours. But he won't cut it off because he's going to leave it there until the plastic rots, which will be when hell freezes over. So he's, he's wearing it and he's got two. One which says the name of the organisation he worked for. And the other one is obviously sort of an access all areas. Well, all access of the toilet areas. And so he's sort of got this. But he's not taking it off. I bet you tomorrow morning he'll still have it on because he won't be cut. Whereas I just want to take his wrist and go snip and cut it off and, uh, and have done with it, you know. But, he, but he's determined to wear it so that people go, oh, you've been to the festival. That, that gives him some sort of importance in the scale of it. He's, he's not just any old Tom, Dick and Harry. This one says staff 
access all areas. And so he's, he's determined to get off on it. It's a sad reflection of being Australian. Sorry, have I what? Doing the papers today? No, not doing the papers at all now, actually. Not I've discovered you to take the mickey off. <laughs> when, I, when I first used to do this programme uh, in 1863, I, um, I remember that we used to take, take the mickey out of anything that was going. I didn't really care. I mean, the papers kind of fell into... So, so some people uh, couldn't do what I do. So they used to sit there and go through the papers and read the stories, which I thought was terribly dull and boring. So what I did was freewheeling. So I, I can freewheel for two and a half, three hours quite easily. And I, I try and test myself to see how far I can get into the programme without actually turning to the papers. That's, and that, that is the great test of whether or not you can actually be a presenter, whether or not you can keep going. Because I told you, I remember saying to my boss when I used to do phone calls back in about 1890, uh, I said, what happens if we don't get any phone calls? He says, you talk. He said, that's what you're paid to do. You work on a speech radio station. You talk. And so that's what I do. I talk and then talk about all the things that matter. And that's why we've got the biggest audience at this time of the morning anywhere, which is lovely. Tina says, we had a tea dispenser. It was brown and cream and shaped like a bullet. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you for the memory. And I now fancy a cup of tea. And then somebody says, not all of us are on holiday. I can't even book time off from work as other colleagues had booked 12 months in advance. It can't be right. That's how it works. That's how it works. I mean, I... Well, of course, it doesn't affect me because I don't do holidays. I'm not a holiday person. Every day is a holiday. Every day is a holiday. If I, if I get my skates on at the end of this programme, I can be home by quarter to eight. Quarter to eight. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I've got the rest of the day. That's, that's holiday for me, the rest of the day. I was out there this morning. I was watering the baskets. I did them uh, again the other day. And today I shall probably put some tomorite in there just to give them that little boost. Uh, the, uh, the story about the seagulls was apparently in, in Blackpool. Uh, says Malcolm. The council who sanctioned it can't afford to have the public grass cut or repair the potholes in the roads. The rescue brought out two fire engines complete with, with, uh, with, with crews. I know, for a seagull... How many stories about seagulls attacking people have we had? And they bring out... Uh, seagulls must be laughing. Absolutely laughing. And uh, the bull did what was natural because he was forced to do it. Good luck to the bull. Yes, I mean, we didn't find any support for bullfighting yesterday on LBC. Absolutely none. I can't think of anybody apart from one particularly stupid person who said that the bull doesn't suffer as much as the animals in the abattoir, proving how thick some people must be at this time of the morning. They can't help it, but I did hear a few odd people earlier on. Somebody else says, you have started earlier on your producer today. Can we just get this right, please? He's not a producer. OK, he's not. a. He doesn't produce anything. He doesn't produce anything. I can understand. I said to you at the beginning of the programme, so what, so what stories do you want to cover? And he sat there staring into the distance, which in his case, I mean, if, if you see him doing that, he's having a conversation with himself. He's not actually engaging in conversation with me. So I, I say something to him and he stares into the distance and, and he, he's basically switched off. He's just There's a little on-off switch at the side of him and you can tell when it's on because it's green and then when he's switched off, it goes red. It's like a little light. He's had an implant done. I don't know whether you get them done before you sort of, before you're taken out on the cruise ships to Australia. Uh, you know, well, I prefer to call them the prison ships and uh, they say, I don't know whether that's sort of done at that time anyway, but seriously, I mean, sometimes it can be his own disco out there in the office. If, if you stand him on a pedestal and turn him round, he's like a lighthouse. It's well worth watching. Seriously, I mean, you, you, you would look at him. Luckily, you don't have to. I have to. And, um, and you sort of think to yourself, well, you know, I suppose there is something good that's come out of Australia 
It's not him, but uh, there must be something good that's come out of it. Uh, Steve, Nick Ferrari spoke to a bullfighting expert yesterday who said that when the bull successfully defends himself, as in this case, not only is he still killed, but also his mother to cease the line. Sporting lot, aren't they? Bullfight, bull massacre, says Sandra. Yes, I knew about it. In fact, I said yesterday the mother was killed as well. I don't know why they do that. And in fact, I actually persuaded Nick to do bullfighting because I knew he'd get a lot out of it. It was uh, because I, I think it's very important to do, you know, stuff like that. I think we have to do it. Much as though it's, uh, it, it's not very pleasant, I think it has to be stopped. It has to be stopped. Uh, but it's in, it's in Spain, so it's not really up to us, is it? Not really up to us, but I just sort of think it's, it's grossly unfair. Why don't they just give the bulls, you know, a 12-bore shotgun and see who comes off better, shall we? Make it far more entertaining. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, they celebrate Christmas in July in Australia with all the trimmings, says Darren in Perth. Do they really? I suppose it's because many of them don't actually make it to Christmas, isn't it? Due to sort of alcohol abuse and stuff like that. They really have Christmas in July. Is that the sort of thing you could have over there in in Perth? In Perth, yeah. He said in, in Perth. They have... I don't know. They said they, they celebrate Christmas in July in Australia. I don't know why. Why would that be? Is it because you just don't do... Cause, right? So you weren't born in Perth. Oh, because they're bored. Really? Oh, good Lord. Oh, well. oh, so bored, yes. Oh, right. Oh, I see, yeah. Oh, right. Is that what people celebrate Christmas for? Because they're bored. I don't do it. I celebrate it. Do you have trees and tinsel and lights and balls? They're plastic trees. Oh, do you not have real trees? You don't have real ones. Oh, right. Is that funny? You think somebody had set up a um, sort of Christmas tree farm? Is it because the weather's not conducive? Because mm. I saw a guy the other day, and he's only young, and he's got um, a pearl farm. And uh, he harvests pearls. They're all, they grow on these sort of things. And because you start the pearl off yourself, you put a bit of sand in, don't you, I think. But anyway, he not only get, he gets two crops, he gets the pearls, and he's got a restaurant that serves... The pearl meat, which is inside. You know, in, inside there, there's a... It's a, an oyster, isn't it? An oyster. But these are special pearl oysters. But he, he harvests the oyster meat as well. And so they were eating it. They went over there and did it. And I thought it was quite interesting. It's a lovely land, isn't it, Australia? If you really can do with it. You know, it's all this sort of the outdoor life. And, uh, and everybody sort of says, oh, yeah, because this is all from the sea. This is fresh, Steve. You won't get any fresher. And I'm thinking, where's the local Kentucky? Where is it? Must be hiding around here somewhere. So that's why there's no Christmas trees in Australia. It's because they don't have anything. And I'm now terribly late. It's 4.30. The latest headlines. Tanya Snugs. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Apparently, according to Steve, yes, I should have remembered the great Mike Carlton. Uh, That was a bit of a disaster, actually, for LBC. He's 70 now. He was an Australian broadcaster. And uh, he came over and he used to be on 2UE. I believe, in Sydney, which is, uh, which is where he started. He formerly hosted that with Peter Fitzsimmons. And uh, he, sort of, he did a lot of criticism, but he also did voices. And I can remember him. He was a, he was a hard drinker, was old Mike Carlton. He definitely was. He enjoyed his sort of boozing. And uh, he worked for one of our sister stations when it was under Australian ownership. And um, they say his, his programme helped change the station's financial fortunes. I don't think anybody understood what he was, actually. I know that's a very old thing to say, but I remember we had, uh, because we were owned by Australians, and um, they were, it was very nice, they were, they were lovely, it was seriously, it was just one of the many ownerships that LBC had had at that particular period. And he joined us, and we, we didn't know who he was, because unless you were actually in radio, you wouldn't know who a, somebody was on a talk station in Sydney. And so he came over, and they had to install this equipment, 
so he could do his voices. But, of course, none of the voices he actually did were, were people that we recognised at all. Probably in Sydney, it was an absolute hoot. Over here, it didn't quite work, and he had to have a Jaguar. He wanted all the things British. So he had a Jaguar, he had a, you know, a house that they sort of got for him and all sorts of things. And I can't remember how long he actually lasted with us. But uh, it, was, it was one of those odd things. I, I think it was... Uh, he did actually get a Sony Radio Academy Award... I have a gold award, of course, uh, from the Archivus. <laughs> I don't speak a word of Australian. But, uh, yes, I'd, I'd forgotten. We used to have a lot of Australian people here, a lot of people passing through, as indeed you wish they would do now. And, uh, you know, when they sort of come in, they stay there for a little while, and then they move on. It's, I think it's part of the Australian psyche. They like travelling. They like travelling. So you get lots of Australians, lots of Aussies who come over here in their little camper vans with their little sheilas at the back, looking a little bit like, you know, Michaels. And, uh, and they all sort of arrive here and they go drinking. And uh, I'm very disappointed to see that bar at Shepherd's Bush boarded up. Seriously, I don't know how... I mean, that was packed every night. How on earth can it be boarded up? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I always worry about things like that. And uh, Steve says, Mike, I was flicking through the television last night and on a BBC channel they had a programme on called... Train Spotting Live. Yes, I've, I've heard of it. In fact, I think we previewed it on this programme first. I think we actually uh, did. Um, I think, actually, it would be... Yes, it, it, yes, it was, sort of, it was from one of those things, wasn't it? At the time, everything, everything's sort of different, I think. Uh, a lot of people hearing uh, Nick Ferrari yesterday talking about the, uh, the bullfighting. I don't quite understand it. I mean, I, I went to see it some years ago. But it's like going to watch a public execution. You know, why would you want to go and watch it? But I predicted it would have a huge audience. Uh, surely there aren't any parts of you that can't be refreshed, says James. I don't know. I can't remember what that was an advert for. Was it, you know, it refreshes the parts that other beers cannot reach, was it? That might have been some beer, I think. Carla says, I love you, Steve. You have me crying out loud. Poor Mr. Producer. You don't know I've hammer him. Listen, it's the only attention he gets. Seriously, he's grateful. Seriously, no, seriously, I mean that, I mean that nicely because, you know, you know when people sort of, he, he said to me, I'm just going to go and talk to one of the other presenters and the other presenter had said to me, oh God, I hope he doesn't come in again. And, uh, and I said, oh, he's on his way through, don't, don't worry. And he, he thinks that by going in there and being sort of Australian, you know, I am, you are, we are Australian. And he puts his arm around you and he wants to talk about things back home. You know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the son of a digger and all this kind of stuff. And we, we, we have the whole thing and then we have to sort of, you know, before we know where we are, we're all sort of clubbing together. He gets his little squeeze box out and we go straight into waltzing, Matilda, and I have to join in and dance up and down, and then we have to pretend I've got the hat with the corks on it and all the rest of it. And, uh, and that's it. And after we've done that for 20 minutes, I'm so thoroughly exhausted. I'm quite grateful to come into the studio and sit down for about five minutes. Uh, Steve, you're right to sue anybody that makes a false statement. Some folks need to be muzzled. Yes, I agree, actually. I think people think nowadays, and that's why there's so many trolls getting into court, because they're set... I think people think you can write... Because they're not intelligent enough. They think you can write something about somebody and somebody's going to go, oh, that's OK. No, 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 no. When it's December here, it's July in Australia because it's on the opposite side of the world, says Len. All oh, right. About as clear as mud, that is. That doesn't make any sense at all to me. Uh, I, I wonder if we will have a general election. I wonder if we'll have a general election. That would be an interesting one, wouldn't it, if we do? On well, the subject of uh, bullfighting, uh, when I heard about the, uh, the dead bull, bullfighter... Says, uh, says Si, the only sad part for me was that they killed the bull. The more matadors that meet such a grisly end, the better. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to see anybody lose their life. I really don't. But I, th- I can't help feeling that if you're, if you're messing around with bulls at 85 stone, you're asking for trouble. You're asking for trouble. And at, and at the end, this, this poor bull is going to lose its life because of what? 
Because of what? No logical reason behind it whatsoever. Nothing at all to do with it. Apparently, if the Spanish government could just discover some sense of decency and ban it, oh, they'd never get away with it. Never get away with it. I feel similarly about people who use dogs for fighting in the name of so-called sport. I'd rather see the dogs set about their uh, their tormentors. Do you remember there was a film out? Was it a Bond film? And all I remember was, at some point... And it, I can't remember who was in it. But anyway, it had helicopters. It had this bloke who had two dogs. And somebody had obviously um, dissed him, some girl. And so he sent her off in the direction and they sent the dogs in after her to kill her. And they were dogs trained to kill. And I think they used something very similar in a Columbo, whereby the dogs were triggered by the telephone ringing. The telephone ringing set the dogs into, uh, into kill mode. So uh, at least we know. Brian Hayes was Australian, says Ken. I know, but we, we didn't really think of Brian as Australian. We just thought he was he was one of us. You know, whereas Mike was. You know, Brian didn't sound uh, at all Australian. I am, you are, we are Australian. <laughs> I love that song, seriously. Sung by the Seekers with the lovely Judith Durham. Still going, still sat. She was the voice and is the voice, I think. Although whether they uh, whether they start uh, touring again, I don't know. I love them. I love them. I, I listen to them in the car. I watch them on YouTube. That's the marvellous thing about YouTube. You can watch anything like that. Uh, Steve, did you watch the final of Love Island last night? What sound like I was? I would watch Love Island, the program with with more disgusting vermin on it that you could shake a stick at. I mean, seriously. Seriously, I would never watch anything like that. I wouldn't be remotely interested. Seriously, not remotely interested. There was a lovely little piece in one of the papers today about poor old Lydia Dim, who can't let go, can she? Oh, she's droning on again about Arge. Uh, Droning on about Arge and sort of going, I think really he should be sent out to I'm a Celebrity and they should have all the bugs go all over him. The trouble is, because she's so lonely... And she thinks that she's, uh, she's really of any interest to anybody at all. She says, the romance is well and truly over. Well, shut up about it, dear. Shut up about it. Why don't you get your mouth Velcroed? Keep it quiet. She says, uh, asked if she were in control of the show. She says, Australia, I'd like to send him there, but I'm not joking. A show insider said, ideally, she wants Arge to be dropped into the jungle. Because I'd rather wish actually somebody dumped Lydia Dim into the North Sea and left her there. I'm so bored with it. She just drones on about the same things all the time. We don't care about Arge. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about Arge. You know, you are the lovebirds. You're the one who can't dress herself. You're the one with the, the worst sense of fashion I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen anybody so badly dressed, laughingly called Fashionista. I think not, dear. This is the one with the mother who looks like her hair's been plugged into the socket. Very worrying. But uh, they had a bust up and they were forced to share screen times. And uh, that's it. I mean, it's, it's all very worrying. And so uh, the Jungle Wish might come true because they've already taken a few other old has-beens, haven't they? Fern McCann, Joey Essex, Mark, they all went out there. So perhaps you could put Arge there as well. But uh, I'd rather actually just drop Lydia Dim from anything at all. I mean, she really is boring. Mind you, not half as mad as poor old Gemma Collins. I mean, that's, that's really... You've come to the end of the road, haven't you? It was Heineken, says Malcolm. Uh, the beer that others couldn't reach. Moonraker, says Rick, was the film with Roger Moore. Moonraker with Roger Moore. Who sang Moonraker? Was it Shirley Bassey or somebody like that? I think it probably was. I am, you are, we are a Moonraker. It's a lovely song. We don't have any songs like that, do we? We don't have any songs. You know, somebody sort of sings. And there's a lovely shot in the audience of this old, uh, this old digger and, and his son singing. Uh, I am, you are, we are Australian. It looked like they've come from the outback. They've literally got the outback clothes on and they're sitting 
in the Sydney Opera House watching the Seekers singing. And the son looks as though he's got a few screws loose. And, and they do actually sort of cut away to him. Uh, singing and it's 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 quite sweet actually because it's obviously a bit of a day out for them. They thought we're going to go and see the Seekers, Dad. Fantastic! What we sing? Train whistle blowing <laughs> far, far away to the island of dreams. Oh, I love all that stuff. I tell you, I can't get enough of it. I'm obviously an easy listening person. You know, I mean, I've done I've done heavy metal in the past. I've done Steppenwolf's Born to Be Wild. I've done Hawkwind, Silver Machine. I've done the old lot. I tell you, I've been there. Sorry. Reggae. You know I do reggae. Just taking the mick now. Of course I do reggae. I grew up on reggae and Tamla Motown and soul and stacks and R&B and stuff like that. I thought I had a very good musical grounding. Because in those days you went out to buy your record. You heard it first, though. You'd stand in the booth in the record shop. They'd say, number three booth, Steve. Thank you. You'd go and stand there because your voice hadn't broken. And, uh, and they, they, they would play the record that you were about to buy. I don't know why you wanted to hear it before they bought it, because you went home and played it on your record player. But in those days, you played the A-side and the B-side, didn't you? All the t- It was lovely. It was, I'm sure it was better. I'm sure it was better times. Nowadays, music is a bit bit disposable, because, you know, most of it's created in a, in a studio. I haven't seen the Spice Girls thing yet. They're calling themselves Gem, which stands for Jerry, Emma, and the other one. And so they're Gem now. They're not the Spice Girls, because I'm assuming there must be a licence on the name Spice Girls, and I'm assuming the person who set the group up owns the name, so they can't use Spice Girls. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. Otherwise, why would they have come up with, with Gem? I could be wrong on that. Uh, somebody says, one thing I respect Australia for, my favourite sport, cricket. They're just so good at it. Well, they've got nothing else to do. What else have they got? That, netball, macrame baskets, and uh, making daisy chains. They don't do anything else, the Australians. They go, all oh, right, so we're going to go. They were the first ones, I think, who pioneered the war paint. You remember, they used to put sort of streaks of colour on their... Ch- I never quite knew what they did that for. What was the point of that? Why? I thought they were sort of impersonating Pocahontas. And then I thought, poor old Pocahontas should be turning in her grave if she knew that they were sort of putting war paint on. And then I thought, perhaps it was to protect them from the sun, but then it didn't look that good. Then they started wearing the helmets on their head. And that meant that sort of... Remember that one? It really did look very odd, didn't it? For cricket, you know. The whole idea is if the ball hits you, you die. You know, I don't know why we took away the element of surprise for people, like giving them a helmet to wear. And then all of a sudden people came out looking like they were sort of out of Transformers. Cricket players in disguise. And they sort of came out onto the, onto the pitch. And you can hardly recognise anybody. 13 minutes to five. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Oh, sorry, there you are. We are Australian. I can't quite, I'm trying to see how many words I can remember, actually, and it's rubbish. The, uh, the episode with the two dogs in Colombo, thank you, Lance, they were triggered to attack when they heard the word rosebud. Rosebud. If only it worked round here. If only it worked round here. And, uh, and then somebody very unwisely says, why don't you open the mic? Very apt. And let your poor derided Oz producer get a chance to get a word in or three. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the gift of speaking. You know, if only he had... He's mute. And uh, it's something we had. We had his vocal cords removed some years ago uh, when he first joined us. We thought we don't want to listen to that droning old voice, thank you, anymore indeed. So, in fact, all we just get now is sort of either smiles or tears. Mainly tears on this programme. Uh, but as I say, it's the best he's ever going to get because he's under the misapprehension. He can't reply. He's under the misapprehension that I'm his friend. Well, of course I'm not. I'm his keeper. Which is different. I have to look after him. You know, because nobody else is looking after him. You know, you have to say to him, you're right, today. And he sort of nods in agreement. And sometimes a little tear sort of rolls down his cheek. And 
and drops into his old day-old salad, because I'm not buying him anything fresh. I tell you, I get it cheaper if I buy the, the discount stuff the day before. So it's just on the turn. Like my milk was again this morning. I can't keep milk for very long now. And it's not because of the fridge. It's because they don't put long sell-by dates on. So I poured the milk in today, and out it comes in dollops. And you know it's about... So I looked at it, I thought, I think not. So I've got to go and get milk today, and I've got to get deodorant... And uh, I've got to go to the chemist and sort out all my uh, my prescription again and start ordering it. It seems to come around amazingly quickly now, doesn't it? Everything comes around very, very quickly. And you, and you, you think, well, where is the time going? Where is the time going? And the answer is it just goes, you know, <laughs> very quickly. Uh, do you think the Paul Gascoigne picture was a set-up and he got a cut of the sale of the picture? No, no. He's, uh, he's an alcoholic. He went in the taxi. I mean, to be honest with you, how they knew he was going to go out, but I'm, I'm almost thinking that perhaps local press stake him out there. He was wearing nothing underneath the dressing gown. I don't think you'd want that sort of picture. <laughs> know what I'm saying? Uh, you don't want to sort of, you know, should the press leave him alone? No, not really, no. I mean, it's not making any difference, is it, whether the press leave him alone or, or whether the press uh, are with him all the step of the way because they're going to be there. They were there at the beginning. They were there during the funny time, you know, when Paul Gascoigne was hilarious and then they were there when he started drinking. Then they were there when he fell over. Then they were there when he went into rehab. Then they were there when he came out of rehab. Then they were there when he went back into rehab. And so it goes on. You know, the next thing is this will be Paul Gascoigne's funeral. Because unless he stops drinking, ultimately he's going to die. It's as simple as that. I mean, he's on, he must be on borrowed time at the moment. What more can you do? You know, perhaps I think the press think that by putting in pictures of him, uh, looking in this dishevelled state with a cut above his eye and stuff like that, because he fell over last time, that it might shake him into a bit of reality. But it doesn't. It, it, it really doesn't work like that. I wish it did. I wish it was that simple. But if you're actually dealing with somebody who is an alcoholic, they're ill. They're sick people. You can't do anything with them. One, until they accept the fact they're an alcoholic, but he's still drinking. Having sat on numerous television programmes and lied through his teeth because he's an alcoholic, he doesn't know what the truth is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking uh, a bit of hope. And th- no, you're not. Not doing anything at all. You're just drinking. You're sitting there by yourself being sad. Very sad and very lonely. And that's why people drink, I think. People, you know, people drink for all sorts of reasons. It could be, you know, somebody's died or, you know, they've just, they've got nothing. And uh, after he got all that money for the phone hacking, he's just decided to blow it on booze. But that's his business. To be honest, I've said a million times before, I couldn't really care less what happens to him. Not in my family. Doesn't make any difference. Not my brother, not my father, not related to me in any way, shape or form. So I couldn't care less what happens to him. Why should I? I mean, how much more can you do for somebody? And the answer is... You can't, you can't do any more. There is nothing more. The next thing is, somebody will say to him, you're going to die if you carry on drinking. I'm surprised they've not said it. Or failing that, the cab companies who come round there should go, we're not, we're not taking you. There should be a blanket ban. His picture should be on the front of all the papers to all the taxi firms saying, do not take him. Any bus driver, do not take him. Like the girls who refused him booze in the supermarket. Well done to them. Well done to them recognising what an alcoholic is. You don't serve him booze. But then the next thing is, he'll be caught stealing it. He's up in court soon on another charge, completely unrelated. So I don't know what, what you do with him. I really don't know. It's, uh, it's difficult. Uh, Steve, a lot of Australians put coloured zinc cream on to stop uh, leather-damaged skin from looking like a dried-up old prune. Yeah, these, these people are young, though, aren't they, really? When they, I mean, it, it is. They always call Australia a young country. Don't they? They say it's a young country. I wish they bloody well stay there, then. Most of them seem to be over here. You know, not in this building. I mean, we, we have a few, which is quite nice. And I welcome them with open arms to our culture. 
I really do. Um, I really. I mean, if I had the time and the effort, I'd be taking my producer Mike out and showing him a showing him a good time in some decent restaurants in London. You know, letting him have a couple of sherbets and maybe a cocktail, which is considered probably in Australia a little bit girly. The very idea of going into a bar and going uh, like a strawberry daiquiri, please, instead of be going, you want what? Uh, strawberry daiquiri. I had one with my mate Steve Allen in London, and he said a strawberry daiquiri was the butchest cocktail you can get. They'd be going, Sheila, out. <laughs> <laughs> don't put up. We always imagine they're all terribly butch, don't we? We always imagine. I don't know why we, we we get the very camp effeminate ones, but you know we always imagine that Australians are really butch and they're really they're into the outdoor life. They go swimming and surfing and they're lying on Bondi Beach and the girls around them and the men have got muscles in places you didn't know you could have muscles. They're all wearing their little budgie smugglers and it's and it's all sort of well, it's the outdoor life and you think it's fantastic. Nobody's working. Nobody's working over there because you don't work in Australia. What you do is you kind of just go to the beach and then you have a couple of tinnies and, uh, and then you kind of get a, get your arms around a few Sheilas, <laughs> if you can, because they're mainly a bit hefty over there, you know, because they eat all the wrong barbecue food. Uh, Steve, could you put a picture of you and the producer on, on Twitter? You must be joking. I'm not allowed to for legal reasons. Mainly the tag companies say that we're not supposed to, so uh, we can't, I'm afraid. Any idea why two Chinook helicopters are flying over London? Says Phil. Uh, London by night? I don't know. I've got no idea, actually. How would you know they were Chinooks? Unless they're flying very low. My favourite one was, though, do you remember when we had Obama here and the helicopters flew over Regent's Park? I mean, that was that was like a scene out of the film Platoon. It really was. That was just the most exciting thing. We stood there going, wow, these helicopters are so noisy. I thought they were supposed to have silencers on them, but they uh, they didn't have. Uh, Steve, take him to the Duke of Wellington next to uh, Titanic. Love Australian men, Steve. This is from uh, Brian. <laughs> no, I'm just making that bit up, actually. Making that bit up, just to make it sound a bit more exciting. And uh, actually, it could be Brian, actually, on the second. Let me just have a quick look. And, oh, no, they, they never sign it. But don't worry, because their, their, their middle name is obviously Unknown. Unknown. Very exciting. Very exciting. But uh, no pictures are available. I'm very sorry. Uh, we just, we're not allowed to do things like that, because he has, he has his right to anonymity. As indeed his parents thought when they moved after he was born. <laughs> they just left him at the hospital, which is fantastic. Uh, Steve, Stephanie Davis is showing off her baby bump in this week's OK. A little bit dreary, isn't it? I mean, about as, uh, about as talentless as Chloe Wicello and her, her rank boyfriend who turn up at everything. And you think, I don't really know why anybody bothers with you. You've got no talent. Absolutely nothing at all. She killed a career stone dead. And as for sort of Stephanie Davis, have another drink, Stephanie. She's out there. Apparently, I could get a bargain for the producer, says little Julie, because it's Amazon Prime Day today. There's nothing. Seriously, Julie, honestly, if you if you looked at him, and as I say, you can't for too long because you're turned to stone. But if, if you sort of looked at him, you would think to yourself, what does he need? That a good makeover wouldn't help with, you know, like a decent haircut, perhaps some clothes that fitted, you know, some. In, no, I mean that in a care. I'm not. I don't mean that in a cruel, offensive, or taking the Mickey kind of way. I mean that in a caring way, because you know, you like to see people looking their best. He doesn't know what decent clothes are. He's from Australia. They 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 wear hand-me-downs. Unfortunately, he's only got a sister, so it's a bit of a slight problem for him. You know, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I like pinafore dresses. I think they look fine. Just not quite on him with the shoulders, you know. Once he gets them waxed, he'll be fine. So anyway, so I don't know what we would buy for him. You know, if I was taking him out shopping, where would I take him first? And the answer is, I'd have to leave him by a waste paper basket. There's no point in taking him any further, because he doesn't want to help himself. 
He doesn't care. He's one of these people, you know, there are a lot of you out there who, when I see you out on the streets, and I I do observe many of you, and you're wearing clothes, I always think you've made no effort today, have you? You really couldn't care less what you look like. It's a case of out of bed, it's a bit like Wallace and Gromit, out of bed, into the clothes, into the car, off to work. And that's it, without a thought of maybe the shower or putting on some clean pants, you know, which I think is necessary in this day and age. You know, I've met people, they say, I can make pants last a week. I say, can you? How exciting is that? Why would people want to share that with you? But uh, so I don't know what I would buy him. If I was going to Amazon Prime to get him, I don't know. Perhaps I could get him one of those makeup DVDs, you know, where it sort of shows you how to improve yourself without spending too much money because he doesn't like spending money on uh, on things like that. It's not his sort of thing. It is. It isn't his uh, his, his sort of thing at all uh, because he's Australian and they don't they don't go for fashion. Unless they're working on television, actually visually on screen. They're actually sort of out there. And I do know some Australians. Steve Milne, a friend of mine, is Australian. And he's unbelievably smart. And he goes to the gym and he works out. My producer, seriously, if you took him to the gym, he would be sick by the door. I mean, he's never going to go inside. If you say, today, Mike, we can have a little bit of a workout, okay? He'd just look at me like I was completely and utterly barking mad. So it wouldn't happen. So there's no point in wasting good money. So this morning I bought him some fruit. He's been excited. His eyes light up. I go, would you like some fruit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like sort of muttly, isn't he? You know, off the television, looking a bit excited. Or Scooby-Doo. Or any one of a number of other cartoon animals who we don't believe in. Listen, coming up very shortly, it's the news at five o'clock. We've managed to do a whole hour this morning without even looking at the papers. It's uncanny, isn't it, really? It is uncanny, which now means that I've got an hour and a half to devote to the papers this morning. And I'm going to tell you some of the stories. I'm going to tell you about the women who doped up dangerous horses to uh, dupe buyers, the couple who turned their house into Hogwarts for the sake of the children. The key to longer life is pomegranates. The biggest organised crime gang in the country is the Women's Institute. Why? I will tell you very shortly. Multivitamins for pregnant women are pointless, claims a major study. And why bullfighting is so beloved in Spain. And what's the Queen's secret that slipped out the other day? And Harry Kane, the England flop, the latest to boast about his luxury holiday. So boo you, boo you. News is next. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 12th of July. I've decided I'm not going to give you my name anymore because I think by now, if you can't recognise my voice, you really need your hearing checked. Taylor Swift's bosom seems to have increased dramatically compared to a year ago. Amazing, really. On your bikes, the village fed up with the speeding lycra louts. The key to a longer life is pomegranates. Apparently. How nice. I like that. Uh, The latest TV show where couples strip each other. The tiny elastic bands that could stop you snoring. Don't look down. The roller coaster, which was halted because some buffoon uh, stuck their foot outside the carriage. I mean, really, how stupid are some people? Uh, The Queen's secret has slipped out. She's a massive fan of post-it notes. And multivitamins for pregnant women are pointless, claims a major study. Don't waste your time or money. There you go. That's the way it goes this morning. <coughs> so I've got myself another cup of coffee. This will be coffee number three this morning, but it's OK. Producer looking at me with renewed interest now, all of a sudden. He's never featured in anybody's life so heavily. So all of a sudden, I'm his new bestest friends. I'll probably be invited back to meet the family at Christmas, I should imagine, or something like that. Oh, hi, Mum and Dad. I'll bring you back a really funny guy. Steve. Very funny. And he'll be spending Christmas with us. <laughs> Just imagine the parents going, I don't think he is. Uh, so the papers. So the papers. What do they bring this morning? Well, you know it's going to be Theresa May, so we don't need to have any surprises on the front pages. Maggie May in at number 10. Heel boys. She can, can she reunite the Tories and deliver Brexit? She might be able to, but you'll never know, will you? 
because, uh, you know, I'm not sure we're going to live long enough to enjoy some of these things here. Can she get rid of all the people in the country, the undesirables, the criminals, the, uh, the, the people who rape and pillage and steal and thieve and everything like that? Answer, no, she can't. No, she can't. Uh, the fans have slammed the England flop. This is uh, Harry Kane. Uh, he's had a torrent of fan abuse for boasting online about his luxury holiday. He posted two snaps uh, of him on a beach. And uh, and somebody says he really didn't give a so-and-so about winning. He was more interested in going on his holidays. None of them care. Have you noticed that poor old Wayne Drooney uh, went out there with, uh, with the wife? So busy, isn't she, in her life? Imagine all these holidays. You're just going to age slowly before your eyes. And, um, and still no, no sort of sense of the occasion at all. They don't really care. They don't care. Uh, great delusions on television. Great lies and delusions. This one from Philip Schofield. On tomorrow's show, Rylan and Dan will be presented together for the first time. That'll be great. Sadly, it wasn't. Sadly, it wasn't. Every single critic has really sort of laid into these two boring people. And some Big Brother contestants are impossible to vanish. Take, for example, writes Ali Ross, 2013 housemate Dan Neal, a short-fuse crybaby who worked as a policeman but was clearly prepared to do anything for fame. Anyway, he got lucky as well and married Rylan, the current answer to all... TV prayers. So there he was on Friday, looking like the odd job junior, fluffing endless lines as he co-hosted this morning really badly. Nerves plus an emotional Fern McCann clearly didn't help. The real issue, though, was that Rylan and Dan had no chemistry, just an undercurrent of bickering. They'll see this as passion, of course, but whatever the explanation, Rylan took on the air of David Dimbleby and Dan's company. No small achievement, given his unfamiliar shtick also left former police marksman Tony Long, looking distinctly twitchy. Once because Ryland called him the Met's own serial killer, twice because he then abbreviated it to Tone, and a third time because he cut short his book plug. Official excuses was it was a weather update, but the real problem was a host who doesn't know how to get to the point and ask the killer question. You know what it's like to shoot somebody? You've shot five people in 23 years. So two presenters, one bullet. Tell us who you're taking out, Tone. And uh, that was it. Unfortunately, Rylan and his underachieving uh, husband, totally useless. Totally, totally useless. I mean, really. I mean, you've never seen anybody so blooming useless. And so desperate. Poor little Dan, the, uh, the former crybaby policeman. How he ever made it as a policeman. Lord alone knows. But let's not have that ever again. It was a rather silly little idea that didn't go anywhere and didn't achieve anything at all. Apart from the fact that Ryland is totally useless. So you can imagine the husband was even worse and a bundle of nerves. What's the point of putting somebody on there? I've come to the conclusion. I think it was put on there so we could all have a bit of a laugh, which I quite like, actually. Island of Dreams was the Springfields, says Phil. Oh, dear pedants at this time of the morning. Yes, we like it. And open up them pearly... I think, actually, they also recorded Island of Dreams. I'm pretty certain... I'm pretty certain that Judith Durham and the Seekers recorded Island of Dreams. Are you looking at me, or have you just glazed over? It's difficult to tell, really, isn't it? You're doing some research. Oh, right, OK. Have, just have a look. Uh, seekers. S-E-E-K-E-R-E-S. Uh, Island of Dreams. I'm pretty certain they did. And, in fact, as you know, Phil, it's hopeless to ever challenge me because I'm right most of the time. I think it's on their Greatest Hits album. There are the, the Seekers. Island of Dreams. High in the sky is a bird on the wing. Please carry me with you. They did record it. Did they have a hit with it? Did they have a hit with it? That's what we need to know. The Seekers, Island of Dreams, so find out. Uh, where, where, dreams, cha. Okay. Uh, dreams, experience, dreams, chart. Chart. Let's have a quick look. Did it go in the charts? The greatest hits, Island of Dreams. 
And uh, wait a minute. Um, Island of Dreams, there it is. Third on side two. Click on it and uh, click on Island of Dreams. And it should say something. Uh, this got to... There you go. The song spent 26 weeks... 26 weeks in the UK's record retailer chart, peaking at number five. It has been covered by The Seekers, uh, Johnny Tillotson and Mary Hopkin and Sundance. So, um, hate to prove you wrong, Phil, but uh, I'm better than I thought, actually. So, so the, sorry, so, so the Springfields did it, but also The Seekers did it as well and had a hit with it. So, there you go. Every re- it's one of those songs that's been covered by a load of people, but I remember them singing it in The Seekers. I love it. On the Greatest Hits album. Has it got We Are American? I Am You Are. We Are Australian. I think it's on the Greatest Hits album. It's so good. You need to go and, you need to go and watch it on YouTube. Seriously, it's a seriously good, a good single. It's, it's written, by, I think, by one of, the, one of the guys in the group. And it comes along. Uh, here we go. The Seekers. But I'll never find another year. Walk with me. Morning Time Ride. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Is that... It's... Oh, right. When the Good Apples Fall. Emerald City. Georgie Girl, I loved it. Yeah, honestly, when you listen to this stuff, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Can we go down to the track listing? Wait a minute. Morning Town Ride, blah, 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 blah. Emerald City. Emerald City, take me to the Emerald City. Da, 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 da. It's based on a piece of classical music. The Emerald City. Yes, is it, is it Ode to Joy or something like that? Song of Joy, is it? I don't know. Song, Joy, Joy. Da, 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 how do you knowing that, honestly? Look, you're really quite cultured, aren't you, in your own funny little Australian way? <laughs> someday, One Day was the one that went, Someday, One Day. When they played over here, the crowd went mad for them, as indeed they should. Somebody said to me the other day, Please don't ever sing on your programme again, Steve. It's like listening <laughs> to somebody strangling a cat. <laughs> Which is a bit unfair on cats. A bit unfair on cats. Uh, also in the, uh, the paper today, the 12 firemen uh, saving, a, saving a, a seagull. Um, the bird was checked by a vet and freed. Uh, the Lancashire Fire Service said, we are tusked to save life. It doesn't always have to be human. Yeah, a bit ridiculous, though, sending 12 firemen out for a blooming... I mean, somebody with an air rifle could have had roughly the same effect and even quicker. Do you not think? Only guessing. Only guessing. Uh, 84850. There are more UK emigrees living in Australia than Aussies in the UK, most of which leave. That's nice. P.S. says, uh, Kevin Brisbane, we really love your doctors, nurses, nurses and skilled people. Well, you would do. You haven't got any of your own. You know, I mean, it's nice that, that we send people over there. I like that. I think that's a, that's a nice idea. And, uh, Steve, people keep uh, putting footwear, says Jay, on seats. Oh, I love it when people do. That's my favourite thing. Um, another one here. This is from... I'm trying to get this one here. Oh, somebody else talking about... Um, oh, yes, it is actually, Fran. That is absolutely... Yes, that is absolutely correct. I know it sounds bizarre. Ask a producer, says Ian, with the twins. If you can see his thongs, you might be surprised. No, we've already established this. They're, they're his shoes, aren't they? Thongs, aren't they? Flip-flops, yeah, flip-flops, yeah. Uh, the helicopter was a long and had twin rotors, one in the front and one at the back. Distinctive, uh, distinctive shape of, of, uh, of Chinooks. Of Chinooks. Uh, I work at Heathrow Airport, says Mike, and I'm not kidding. The Australians are the worst dressed people. They've not got a clue about fashion. Very unattractive. Well, the trouble is, I mean, I don't think we ever say Australians are attractive. You know, if, if, and also, if you've just come off a long flight, and I've been on long flights, and that is a long flight, believe you me. You know, you, you'd be sort of getting there, getting, oh, I just really want to get to a hotel and go to sleep. It's a long time. What is it, 26 hours or something, 23 hours on a plane? It's, it's a long way, isn't it? That's, uh, is, is that without a stop-off? Is that just non-stop flying? Or do they do a stop-off as well? 
Right. That's the whole, whole duration of the whole thing. Love it. It's too long for me. I'd be bored. They'd have to give me a sleeping tablet and just put me out. Then wake me up when we get there. Yeah, I know, yeah. Best thing, isn't it, really? <laughs> he so hates me. Uh, Gideon says, Steve, my favourite Australian, Sir Les Patterson, the quintessentially Australian cultural attaché with such class. Yes, I, I am inclined to agree with you that Les Patterson uh, was the person who had loads and loads of class. Weather for today, come on. What do you think you're going to get for Tuesday? What, do I, what can I offer you today? A mainly dry start with sunny spells. Showers developing during the morning. They could turn heavy and thundery in places with some slow-moving torrential downpours likely. Oh, God. That awful. Tonight, the showers will continue. The outlook for Wednesday through Friday. So Wednesday, any remaining showers from overnight will clear. So it's a mostly dry morning with sunny spells. Showers in the afternoon. Outlook Thursday through Saturday, dry Plenty of sunshine Thursday, turning cloudy and breezier Friday, but staying dry. Cloudy start Saturday, but some sunny spells developing and perhaps the odd shower later. So there you go. That's, that's what the weather is. But it's only today you're interested in. And so it's going to be mainly dry with sunny spells to start with. And then the showers developing during the morning. Doesn't, doesn't affect me in the slightest. By the time I get home, I couldn't really care less. Could not really care less. Uh, smile, you're 23. That's apparently... You you smile most at the age of 23. Anything above that, you don't really smile so much. I tell you, you don't really smile a lot, do you? You're not really... You're 24, that's past you by, isn't it, really? They've also got a thing in the paper today, very applicable for you. It's at what age you shouldn't be having certain things, like tattoos and stuff like that. And they've, they've basically decided that David Beckham is way too old to be having tattoos. It's beginning to look a little bit silly. Very silly. But mind you, the whole family looks a bit silly, don't they, really? Uh, also, uh, the drugs hall pair found guilty, uh, worth £512 million. I think that's just about the biggest haul that they've ever had. Uh, they asked a question, a fundamental question on finance. Is it ever OK to lie about money to your man, your other half? And the answer is, well, not really, but people do. People do tell fibs about money. Some people keep things hidden. I was watching the, um, uh, if it's not bolted down, we're going to take it away thing the other day on the table, the bailiffs who, who come round and they go to uh, a Turkish kebab shop and the bloke who is using the shop as a, as a sort of a, a thing for his business owes 4,000 quid and, of course, doesn't believe the bailiffs when they turn up. Usual sort of thing, though. What are you doing? You know, well, we're, we're high court bailiffs. We've come to collect 4,000 pounds, get out of my shop, all this kind of thing. But, of course, all the bailiffs do is call the police. Police turn up and uh, still the bloke's ranting and raving and they're not leaving without 1,500 quid. You'll have to pay the whole lot, but they'll leave that day with £1,500. Well, he's arguing the toss till they start stacking his uh, rather chronic-looking piece of furniture on the uh, on the table. So the chairs are going up, and they will take it. They will take it until he gradually goes. He does the usual sort of lying thing, which is, uh, I've only got £800. And they go, well, we're sorry, we're not leaving with it. It's as simple as that. You know, it's, it's your, your business. This is a high court writ. It's either that or we will close the place down. And uh, we will sell the stock in there to get the money. And he suddenly realises that it's serious. Suddenly realises that he has to do something about it. So with the help of his friends, with some more credit cards, they pay the 1500 quid. And it took him another four months to pay it, proving there's obviously no money in kebabs nowadays, unless he's lied through his teeth. But they managed to get the money eventually. And so they did. There's a picture in all the papers today of a lone black woman uh, who is wearing an evening dress, arrested by two white police officers in full riot gear in the heart of the Deep South in America. This is in Baton Rouge. 
in Louisiana. Hundreds of Black Lives Matter protesters were held at the weekend. Uh, across America, thousands marched over the deaths of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, shot by cops. I wonder, really, was there going to be a march? I only ask this out of some sort of pertinence for the five killers shot dead by the black gunman. Uh, was that going to be happening any time soon? Or we kind of forgotten about that. Anyway, this woman stood in the middle of the road. They'd asked her to clear the road, and um, she uh, she didn't. So they arrested her. She stood there. She said, I'm doing this for my son, who, of course, had nothing to do with it at all. So they've uh, they arrested her. She's a nurse, and she's been freed now. So all ends well, which is all you can hope for. But, I mean, I wonder, really, whether or not there's going to be a big march of, of police officers going, we don't want to stand the risk of being shot on the streets. Five of them. Five of them shot on the streets by a black gunman. Any, anybody going to protest about that? No, of course not. Uh, many skirts should not be worn beyond the age of... Oh, here you go, Mike. Beyond the age of 39, no miniskirts. OK? No miniskirts. Uh, millions who hit 40 believe that when uh, you hit that, that's when life begins. But in fact, it's when the fun ends. Uh, when you're too old, age 33, to drive like a boy racer. Going through town today, there were three motorcyclists. I'm surprised there were no police officers because they were riding side by side with with silencers off. You know, really, they looked like they were about to sort of shop raid and things like that. And they were literally holding the traffic up. They were being rather silly. I'm surprised nobody actually ran them over. Uh, at the age of 36, you're not supposed to have a favourite boy band. OK, not good. Uh, at the age of 38, you are too old to have a tattoo, have a belly button pierced or get drunk in public. Uh, age 39, you're too old to listen to Radio 1. Oh God, is that still going? Heavens above. Wear a miniskirt. Age 40, you're too old to go on a lad's or a girl's holiday and you're too old to visit Ibiza. When you're 53, you are too old to use LinkedIn. If you're 52... You're too old to stay out past midnight. If you're 46, you're way too old to wear a bikini, unlike Helen Mirren at the age of 70, who's a bit defiant over the whole thing. At 43, you're way too old to wear leggings. But it's the fact that uh, poor old David Beckham is way too old to have tattoos all over his body. It's very trailer trash. It's very chav. And, of course, as we all know, David Beckham is one big girl's blouse because he shaves his entire body. We've known this for years. Yeah, she told us about it a long time ago. And he's obviously obsessed with tattoos, but there again, it's a sign of a, of a career that's ground to a halt, really, hasn't it? I don't know what he does now. It's also a lovely couple of... a uh, lovely picture of Gemma Granger. And she gave birth in a, in a Domino's pizza. It's lovely, isn't it? As you do. And so uh, the staff there at Domino's in Tamworth um, decided to sort of open up a box... And they put the baby on top of the box so it looked like, you know, the baby had arrived in the pizza box. Which is nice, isn't it? I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, uh, Dave, who's working in Paul Cooper's shop while Paul is over in uh, Rome at the moment. Having a very nice, relaxing break to celebrate his 50th birthday. And, um, and I said that I'd been to the Harvester, which is the one down in Eastleigh. And the portions were so minuscule. Seriously, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd finished eating it and I thought maybe there's something that perhaps perhaps they, they looked at me and thought he's too fat. Give him a small portion because I thought it was dreadful. I mean, a rack of ribs, half a rack of ribs, which was. What's that, about six inches, something like that? Is that six or is that you think that's a bit bigger? That's about six. Really small. Seriously, I don't know what animal it came from. Hamster, I assumed. And the quarter of a chicken. I don't think my, my, my chicken had the strength to stand up on its legs. It was really minuscule. It was it was really bad. I was very disappointed. My friend Dave said, he said he goes to the one in Staines. He said they're really good. So obviously they vary. They obviously vary. It depends, I suppose, who's actually sort of serving and who's who's cooking that day. 
So that's why. So perhaps I need to try another one. But uh, I was very disappointed. Very, very disappointed. Uh, 84850. Here we go. Jason in Ascot. It says, I believe the answer you're looking for. Uh, oh, we've got to take a break, actually. I'm so sorry. Well, don't look like that. I mean, honestly, listen, they're very free and easy here. We don't have to sort of stick to the times. It's like being in Vegas. We just sit back, relax, chill out. You're too stressed. Look at me at my age, 39 plus that. You know, I'm chilled out this morning. You mustn't get yourself worked up. He's all in a tizzy now. All in a tizzy. So we'll take a little break just to ease the pain of the producer. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So Jason and Ascot says, I believe, Mr. Allen, the answer you're looking for, because he's obviously read Wikipedia, uh, to the, the James Bond movie, uh, which was Roger Moore's fourth Bond film, Moonraker, and secondly, the Columbo season seven episode titled How to Dial a Murder. The dogs, Doberman Pinchers, named Laurel and Hardy, were programmed to attack on the phone call by the word Rosebud, like in Citizen Kane, uh, by the character Dr. Eric Mason, played by... Nicole Williamson, spoiler alert, Columbo managed to trick and reveal his nature by getting a dog expert to deprogram the dog's command to kill by tricking them to jump onto somebody and lick them instead. Uh, Columbo, Ironside, Quincy, MD, McLeod, those were the great detective shows of my era. Glad you like mentioning Columbo too and are reminiscent of that legendary series. I like your show, so keep up the good work. Well, there you go. Kind of, kind of figures, doesn't it, really? Kind of figures. Uh, I like the idea as well that people... St- I mean, I've, I've got the box set of uh, some of my favourites. Pie in the Sky, Lovejoy, Columbo, things like that. I, I like those sort of those sort of box sets, which are, are good. And uh, Steve says, Jen, I've been with my husband for 15 years and we still have separate bank accounts. Is that unusual? Well, it seems to be. It seems to be. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, if it's your money, you hang on to it. It's as simple as that. And uh, 84850, uh, Martin and Kasha are listening at the moment because they work night shifts, so you don't really have much of a choice on which radio station to listen to. It's got to be this one. Uh, Dave is right, says little Julie, the Staines Harvester is good. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm going to go and try that one, actually. Cecil Beaton says famously, never in the history of fashion has so little material been raised so high to reveal so much that it needs to be covered so badly. Jonathan, thank you. I know you do see the worst sort of people wearing miniskirts, really. Uh, Owen says, being a white Welsh immigrant to America, I'm surprised there haven't been many more protests about the police. In 2015 alone, 224 unarmed people, all races, were killed by US police officers. That said, obviously the murder of the five policemen in Dallas was vile. I know, but nobody's, nobody's marching about them, are they? Nobody's marching. And uh, Dallas says, my favourite Australian was Skippy, the bush kangaroo. Who wrote the Who wrote the script for Skippy? Uh, for the Bush Gang, who wrote the script for Skippy? Yeah, I just remember it. There was a song, wasn't it? Da 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 dum, Skippy, Skippy. Regina Fong fans will know that one. Uh, I'm in Cyprus. It's 37 degrees today and humid. Looking forward to the cool London weather. Oh, you and me together. I couldn't function in 37 degrees. That would be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Helen says, I'm 40 and will wear miniskirts for the foreseeable future as my legs are fabulous, slim and tanned and better than many of my juniors. So there. Well, of course, we've only got your word for it, haven't we? I mean, you, you, you might be 95 and practically ready to book yourself into a crematorium. I've got no idea. <laughs> I like the idea that somebody's being defiant on wearing miniskirts, which is good. Um, Kevin the Milkman says, besides the piercings, Steve, I've pretty much broken all the rules. Oh, I've not worn a miniskirt either. <laughs> and at 45, Steve, I'm far too old to have a two-pack, but better than a party seven. Oh, I know. Do you remember the party sevens? Happy days. Happy 
happy days. Uh, the trailers look uh, very scary, says Malcolm, for ITV1, 8pm, 100-year-old drivers rebooted. I know, they do look a bit dangerous, don't they? First day back yesterday, 10 days in uh, sunny Mokakar. Is it Mokakar? I can't remember, Joe, wherever it is. Anyway, uh, spent from 11 till 7 on the beach every day, relaxing and eavesdropping on other people's conversations, my favourite, and each evening drinking kava. Good to be back to my own bed. Your show, not so keen on being back at work. Off to see James Morrison tonight and Jack Savaretti on Friday, both at Somerset House. Well, there you go. You see, your life is perfect. Absolutely perfect. It is mapped out before you and it means that nothing can ever be as good ever again. Make the most of it. Apparently, very nice, says Dean, is the Harvester Queensway in Lytham. In Lytham. Um, uh, another one here. Says, why the vitriol against David Beckham every day? It's one word, incidentally, Paul. I thought we'd have to explain that to you. Uh, because he's mentioned in the papers today. We only mention him if he's in the papers. We don't bother mentioning him if he's not in the papers. That's not vitriol. We're just saying he's way too old to be sorting all those tattoos. It's trailer trash, whichever way you look at it. It's obviously some sort of sad addiction. LBC News Time, 5.30, the latest headlines. Simon Conway. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's lovely to be with you this morning. I hope you're feeling uh, as bright-eyed and as bushy-tailed as you possibly can be. Not as much as Theresa May. She'll be moving in, I should imagine, even as we speak, Mr Cameron. We'll be there, we're packing boxes and gaffer tape and um, filling up boxes. I wonder how long that's going to take. Perhaps they'll do it secretly in the early hours of the morning, or perhaps it'll be helicoptered out. I've got no idea. But uh, she'll be moving in, she'll be going, well, there's an awful lot of rooms to fill, aren't there? Depends whether they go for an election. Depends whether they then go, let's, let's throw the country into a general election and see where we go from, from this one. It's certainly all going on, isn't it? You ever had a, a few weeks where there has been so much, so much going on? Actually, I've got, I think, coming in next week, it might be the week after, Geoffrey Archer is coming in. So I can't wait to ask him about his thoughts on some of the political shenanigans. I mean, have you ever known such a week? Seriously. People resigning, stepping down, people stepping sideways, people giving up. Never anything like it. I didn't think that we'd be, uh, we'd be into this pickle, which we are at the moment. And make no mistake, it is a pickle. Uh, little Julie says, Billy Connolly appears in an episode of Columbo, Murder with Too Many Notes. Yes, he plays a conductor, doesn't he? And uh, I love it, she says, when Columbo brings his dog with him, his faithful basset hound. I, know, I was never too sure whose, whose dog it was. But uh, it certainly just, it just had to sort of sit there doing nothing at all. Oh, they've managed to get a little piece of freebie into the bizarre column today. It is just like picking up press releases and just reprinting them. There's not really too much there. Uh, Niall Horan, they say he's, uh, he's settled down with a new uh, an Irish heartthrob. Well, perhaps he's the Irish heartthrob. But anyway, he sort of he went off to a thing. I thought he was supposed to be sort of going back in the studio. To be honest with you, he's left it way too late. They should, they're obviously not that interested in music. You can tell that because One Direction finished ages ago. And you'd have thought if you had any interest in music, you'd have been straight into the recording studios. But they haven't. They've spent, you know, as much time as they can just basically boozing and going round to festivals and enjoying being a celebrity. So I don't think that their heart is in it. I don't think they're remotely interested in going back into music. They said he's, he's going into the studio to record an album. For whom? The fans have moved on to other people now. They're not remotely interested. Now that we've told them that there is going to be no, you know, one direction getting back together... It's like, listen, if it's not really happening with the Spice Girls, it's certainly not going to be happening with One Direction. No UK tax on the vessel. This is the BHS tycoon picking up his new um, yacht. It's £100 million. You can never really understand £100 million, can you? It's quite nice. It's owned by uh, old uh, Pipsqueak Green, and uh, he's there. And so this is another blow, really, because because it's registered in Malta. It doesn't come under British safety tax. 
and employment laws. So Philip told The Sun last night he didn't know why Lionheart was being registered on the island. He said it's, it's only going to be there for ten minutes and then it'll be gone. I know. I thought he already had another yacht, or perhaps he's got two now. That's so much money, isn't there, really, around there? Well, there is now 11,000 people don't have a job. Uh, they can uh, flog the business. Uh, a fight, the bullfight, and a picture of um, of people. There's, you know, not for ages has somebody actually died in the ring and been been gored to death by a, by a bull weighing 85 stone. But he can't help feeling it's not exactly evenly matched, is it, at all? Uh, another one here. This is the same picture in all the papers of uh, Michelle Keegan with a wig on because she's filming something. It's, it's just cheap, cheap, shoddy journalism. They're just printing a, a publicity shot that's been handed out by the studio and then they just sort of print it up. So there's nothing really very interesting at all in the bizarre column. It's, it's gone way off, way off kilter. It, it's, it's just just not exciting anymore. At least it used to be people who knew what was going on. Nowadays, it's just people who want to be on television. It's sort of, it's like, a bit like being Ryland's husband, you know, a bit desperately keen on being famous, but with no talent, which doesn't really stop anybody else. Uh, so here they are, the roller coaster riders at Thorpe Park. Uh, this was at their Colossus ride. 20 people up there, to be honest with you, it looks like a bit more than 20 people, uh, because... One rider put his leg out of the carriage. What a stupid person. So they stopped the ride. Do you think people sit behind and go, you've stopped this ride because you put your foot outside. What are you, dumb? The answer is quite clearly yes. Henry Moody, who was visiting the theme park, uh, with his family said Colossus had been closed while staff performed checks. He said the ride opened up while I was queuing for another ride. The next thing I saw, Colossus was stuck at the top of the lift with people stranded up there and it was in the rain as well. Took about an hour and a half until they were evacuated. Eventually they got them down the stairs and everybody got up. See, I'd be rooted with fear. I'd be sitting, I wouldn't be moving at all. I'd be sitting in the carriage. I'm not moving. Okay. You just need to get out and walk down this. No, thank you. No, I'll sit and wait. I'll sit and wait. But all because of some idiot. You'd love to see who it is, wouldn't you? Just to find out what idiots really look like in this day and age. Oh, the age which you must act like an adult, by the way, is 38. And so when you hit 38, you're supposed to act like an adult. And um, older people should avoid tattoos, David Beckham and others. And uh, women should not be wearing bikinis on the beach at 46. At 46. There's a couple here and they, they look after guide dogs. And over 36 years, they've trained 48 guide dogs for the blind. Uh, she's 72 and he's 82. And he certainly doesn't look 82 and she doesn't look 72. They come from Bath in Somerset. They train each puppy from the age of seven weeks, teaching it how to walk on a lead, follow basic commands and become house trained. Wow. And then heartbreaking when the dogs reach 12 to 14 months, they have to say goodbye to them because they go to be assessed by guide dogs for the blind. Amazing. You know, you hear of people doing things like that. I think that's really quite lovely, actually. But, but they, they get a bit upset when they have to say goodbye to them. Uh, and what's going to slow down the ageing process? It's no amount of makeup or this skin cream or that skin cream or drinking this or that. Pomegranates. Apparently, pomegranates are the way forward. It's uh, found to slow ageing and helps you live longer. It doesn't exactly say how much longer. It might be a couple of days or something like that. But uh, they say research, in milestone research, scientists showed bacteria in our gut change a molecule in the fruit to produce an age-busting chemical. Well, that's it today. That's me. I'm going out. I bet you anything, you won't better find pomegranate seeds anywhere. I know that Paul Cooper had some yesterday. There's probably others available in Twickenham. But pomegranates, just eat pomegranates, the seeds. They're very easy to eat. You could, just, you could take a bag of them out and just eat them every so often. It's like they've got, little, they've got all sorts of things in there 
And uh, it's good. It's in also smaller amounts of many nuts and berries. And yet for this thing to be produced uh, in the intestine, the bacteria must be able to break down what we're eating. So that's it. And uh, as we age, our cells powerhouse, the mitochondrion degrades, which leads to muscle weakness. It's also linked to disease like Parkinson's. So there you go. It can improve your runnings by 42%. Eat pomegranates. Mind you, every day or every week, haven't we, over the past God knows how many years, there's always been something else to eat. There's always been something which you should eat because it's actually better for you and stuff like that. And uh, Jason says, the information given to you might be on Wikipedia as well. Well, it is. But I did it all from memory. And it's uh, Acton, as in Acton Vale, not Ascot. Oh, right, I thought it said Ascot. Wait a minute, let me just have a quick check. Don't like to get anything wrong here. If I get anything wrong, I'm hopeless at these sort of things. I don't, wait, oh, now lost it completely. Now lost it completely. The trouble is there's so many of these that come in all the time that I have to go back and forwards, backwards and forwards, to try and find out where they're all coming from. And, uh, oh, it's, I thought it was a bit odd, actually. Oh, it's, so it's, so it, it's not, it's, it's Acton. That's in Acton Vale. Wait a minute. Yes, you're right. Oh, does it say... Oh, it does say action. I do beg your pardon. That's my, that's my eyesight. Bad at this time of the morning. See, the trouble is I see an A and I think Ascot. I think Jason. Quite classy. Suddenly realised quite clearly not at all classy. And uh, Professor Jonathan Shallot, he said, my, uh, my best pal at school and I used to share lunches at school in the 1960s. His mum... Uh, always packed pomegranates when available. A real challenge to separate all the little seeds from the fruit and eat before next class. Must be why I've aged very well. Actually, strangely enough, Professor, I was watching, um, and it might have been... Oh, gosh, who was it? Was it Lily Savage's audience with? And who are you sitting next to? Was it former lady from Brookside? Because there you were, sitting in, and the camera panned over you, and she was uh, chatting. Well, I can't remember who it was now. I was watching it the other day. I was going through some of the old uh, This Is Your Lives and uh, an audience with. And uh, I'm pretty certain. Claire Sweeney. You were sitting next to Claire Sweeney. Pretty certain. Pretty certain. He said, also in the 60s, do you remember the local CAFs and British Rail buffets? When it was busy, the counter lady would line up all the teacups and skillfully pour out from a huge pot the tea in one sweep. Barely a spill. Health and safety would have ever fit these days. It is true, actually. It is true. Yes, I, I, I agree with you, actually. Very interesting. Uh, Professor Shallot says... Uh, sorry, that last one was from somebody else, actually. It was from Michael. Professor Shallot says, actually, I don't think we're in a pickle. With Theresa May as our new Prime Minister, I think the, the future now has clarity. We now have a leader who will unite the country and make a, a success of Brexit. Having known our new Prime Minister and her husband, Philip, for many years, don't tell me you represent them, please. Please. He says, I personally know we have a leader who will achieve the very best... He says, uh, kindest regards, as always, Professor Jonathan Shadow, OBE, chairman of the UK's leading independent talent, talent managing agency. <laughs> I must see. Who have you signed up recently? That's what I want to know, actually. That's what I want to know. Uh, my friend Joel has sent me something. Very ca- I can never read links on my... Don't ask me why. I can't read links on my phone. Uh, but very quickly, Damien says, they celebrate Christmas in August in Yellowstone National Park due to the place being empty in the winter. But it's not. I've got, a, I've got a DVD on how busy it is. And Steve says the reason it's winter in June is the Earth-North Hemisphere tilts towards the sun so we get summer and south gets colder. Oh, right. So here we go. Tesco. This is what I need. This is what uh, my friend Joel says. Pomegranate juice. Yeah, it's, I, I have had pomegranate juice. You've, it's got to be pure pomegranate juice. Don't get pomegranate juice mixed with other bits and pieces. No good at all. Thank you, Joel. Very much indeed. 
Give my regards to the little one today. But it's, it's pomegranate juice. Is it, is it going to make me a better person? Would it make me more, more caring if I have pomegranate juice? No, but it'll help me live longer. Which could be quite useful. That'll upset the boss. I'm terribly sorry we've worked out Steve Allen's going to live longer. Oh, God, is he? <laughs> yes, he might. Yes, he might. Uh, yes, Billy played the conductor in Murder with Too Many Notes. Lots of stars have appeared, says little Julie. I loved it when it was filmed over here. Seriously, I, I absolutely loved it when it was filmed over here. Anything like that. It was Michael who was telling us about the um, the pomegranate juice and the teapots and stuff like that. And Howard says, uh, after your show is finished, I'm off to 10 Downing Street to measure up new curtains for the new PM. I shall offer my services to David to move him out by 12 o'clock Wednesday in case he changes his mind. Boris will be made Minister for Water Cannon. That'll be an interesting one, won't it? We'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, great fun to watch, says Stuart, the man from Uncle on DVD, which uh, I agree. I thought they were brilliant, actually. Uh, the Women's Institute, incidentally, why are they an organised crime gang? Why are they the biggest organised crime gang in the country? When I first read it, I thought, good grief, what are they doing down there? Do you know what they're doing that's, uh, that's illegal? And that's why they're a crime gang, but they do it all the time. You don't? I shall tell you about it a bit later on, because it's quite an interesting story. And it's the sort of thing that uh, you'll be going, oh, no, that can't be true. But it is true. They are, they are crims down there. They are crims. So I'll tell you about it a little bit later on. Uh, also, more from Ali uh, Ross's uh, column, apart from sort of getting rid of uh, Rylan and his, uh, his husband, Dan. Dan, desperate, desperate Dan to be on television, but just awful, awful, awful on television. Uh, really, absolutely terrible. Uh, we will tell you why. Why? No disco at the age of 40. In other words, if you're 40, you cannot go to a discotheque. Thank God for that. Nobody wants to see old people in discotheques. It's not for us. It's way too loud. You won't enjoy it. It's very unhealthy, and you'll come out with ringing in your ears. Still to come... The story of the Women's Institute. What a bunch of criminals they are, ladies and gentlemen. Quarter to six. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Still to come. Jam, jail and Jerusalem for the Women's Institute criminals. Yes, why are they criminals? We'll tell you in a moment. Uh, I like Columbo, says Malcolm, but it shows how quickly technology has moved on when you see him marvelling at things like a fax machine. I know. I had a fax machine. I had a fax machine. <laughs> God knows why. Uh, Wayne the Trolley Dolly, messaging from hot Chicago. Hot. Hearing news about the current state of the politics at home, hoping that things will iron out. Failing that, he said, I'll vote for Prime Minister Steve Allen. Thank you. And, uh, and one here from uh, Maria, who says, I don't mind Rylan in small doses. So I watched him and Dan on this morning out of curiosity. Practically, as soon as they said hello, welcome to the show, it went downhill. Switched off after they did the menu, as it was clear Dan was struggling to read the auto cue. Was he really a top police officer? No, he really wasn't. He was just a police officer with delusions of something. And the delusion is that uh, he, um, he can't present. I love the way people think it's easy to actually present something. It always makes me laugh when you, when you, when you get people who go, oh, I could do that. And you think, oh, you can't. That's why you're not doing it. And when it comes to television, I mean, Dan, who was in a class by himself, preferably in the mid-Atlantic, because he couldn't read for toffee. I mean, seriously, you'd have thought you'd had some practice or some before. It was embarrassing to watch. Please, God, it never happens ever again. Uh, Phil says, David Beckham presumably shaves his body so his body hair doesn't hide the tattoos. Yes, well, I mean, by now he must be like a Brillo pad, I should imagine. And um, uh, Sean says, I'm uh, very surprised how young... 
Uh, you and Stevie Wonder are sharing the same age, 39 plus VAT. <laughs> I like the 39 plus VAT, actually. Uh, Colette says Tony's got his 58th birthday today. He's driving to Slough. Oh, dear God. Make sure you've got security alarms on the car and everything. You know what Slough's like? I've seen it in all the police programmes, uh, which is good. Uh, another one here. Oh, do tell us about the Women's Institute. Um, no, I'm, I'm really, really going to drag this one out for as long as I can, I think. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Philip says, at what age should you stop having long hair? I'm 61. I think that's a bit old, isn't it, for long hair? I think, actually. I think... I think, I think 61 is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain, actually. 61 is, is too old for long hair. Well, it depends how you have it. I mean, if you have it tied back. Why do people grow hair? Ben says, I could be classed as too old for nightclubs at 32. In eight years, I'll be 40 and still clubbing. Oh, Lord. I don't think so. Apparently, uh, Dan says, uh, Riverhead near Sevenoaks, lovely. Harvester recently installed a pay and display machine in the car park. Wow. I don't like pay and display. <laughs> Uh, We heard the other day, if you remember, from Paul Hollingdale in Vienna, where they've got a new system for parking. Seven quid a week for parking your car. If you can find a bay to put it on, and you you pay yearly. And I said, seven pounds a week. I paid 16 pounds to park uh, whilst I went for for lunch in London. 16 pounds. So the very idea that it's only seven pounds for a week, I thought, sounded like a bargain. Of course, I mean, there's not really much point in going over there because I'd have to go there, park the car, then get the flight all the way back here. Uh, Apparently, the average age the woman has her first kiss is 15. Good Lord, says uh, Jen. I think I was 12 as a tall girl. I got into the Hippodrome at 14. Oh, people have fake fake IDs now, don't they? I was being served in pubs at 15. But in those days, we didn't think it was anything wrong. We didn't think we were doing anything wrong. We just thought we were in a pub. And I didn't drink till I was uh, over 20. So I was only drinking fizzy colas and things like that. Other drinks are available. Anyway, here we go. For all you members of the WI, why are you the criminal class? Anyway, a police officer has described the Women's Institute as the biggest organised crime group because you pick wild berries and sell them. Sergeant Colin Norden said making a profit on the berries in jams and tarts is technically breaking the law. But the WI would not be prosecuted over it. The Cambridgeshire officer was explaining why antisocial behaviour is not always prosecuted. Sergeant Norden told a council meeting the WI are the biggest organised crime group. That would be quite a controversial thing to say that they pick wild berries with the intent to sell them at a fate. That is a crime. Because under the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981, it's illegal to pick flowers or fruit for commercial purposes without permission. Boo, Sergeant, boo. I mean, everybody does it, don't they? People do it. You see people, especially in the summer, they park the car in a lay-by and they go picking. It's illegal. And, of course, it's illegal for the WI to pick them, turn them into jams or fillings to go in jam tarts or in cakes and things like that. That's illegal. And they could be arrested. But, of course, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be. But that's what he was explaining. He was just saying how complicated it is now to decide what antisocial behaviour is antisocial and what isn't. And I don't think any of you listening would ever have thought that picking wildflowers or berries, and it can be, I mean, blackberries are all over the place, aren't they? And we love picking, but we eat them as we're going along, whereas you shouldn't really, because birds peck them as well, and you can pick up all sorts of illnesses. So you should always take them home and wash them. But that's what we do. But they're not yours. 
They're not yours to pick. They'll be owned by some farmer or something like that. And unless he's given you permission to actually do it. So technically, the WI, because they do make their cakes. And also people who pick flowers. Although I'm not, I'm not so bothered about that. I like the people who, who plant flowers by the side of the motorways. Or they plant a wildlife garden. It always makes it look very interesting, doesn't it? And I love stuff like that. Some people have been known to, to put um, uh, bulbs in a little packet of earth and throw them out the car window down the motorway because whenever you've got two daffodils, the next year you'll have four. And so they multiply and multiply. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And, uh, and we absolutely love it. I love going down the motorway when you can look at the flowers by the side of it. And some people are very, very adventurous, very adventurous. But a bit sad about the WI. A bit sad about the WI, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Because uh, that's what you do and people seem to love you because you get your kit off every so often. And, uh, and we like it for sort of calendar girls and stuff like that. But it is actually, it's a good organisation. I've never actually met anybody from the WI, but I'm sure there must be loads and loads of people listening to this programme who are members. So I've got loads of uh, Masonic members who listen to this programme. And I've been to the big temple up in Covent Garden, which I think they use for one of the Bond movies. Huge place. I mean, absolutely huge. Um, writing one of the telly columns in the paper today, they say it's always horrible to be dropped by somebody special, especially when that somebody is that ray of TV's kid sunshine, Mr Tumble. Former CBB's presenter, Sarah Jane Honeywell, has told how her decision to strip off in 2011 to promote veganism not only lost to her much-loved job, but caused a bitter rift with Justin Fletcher. The pair had worked together on such classics as... Tickabilla and Higgledy House. Sorry, I've never seen any of these things, but I know exactly who he is, but I didn't know who she was. The TV host, engaged to Hollyoaks actor Aidan Callahan, posed nearly nude to promote World Vegan Day by lying beside fake chips and peas on a plate in Trafalgar Square. She was a plate of meat, you see. But after her gaffe was reported by the Mirror, she never returned to see BBs, and Justin, one of her best mates for years, dropped her like a stone. Writing on her blog, Honey who, Honey Mumster, the four-foot-eleven blonde, now says, The day my picture went in the paper with the headline, See Boobies, I never heard from my lovely friend ever again. I understand why, though. He had a very important, brilliant brand to protect for the sake of the children's joy everywhere. I'm glad he chose them over me. But she said, I'm hoping to get married to my lovely Aidan this year, and part of me will be sad that Justin won't be there. Well, I'm sure that Justin will be listening to this programme right now. Um, However... Uh, there might be something else that Sarah Jane hadn't mentioned before, her later admission that she'd once had a seven-gram-a-night cocaine habit. Maybe maybe not, Justin. <laughs> maybe not. I don't think you can have people like that anywhere near children's television. And you're quite right, he is protecting a brand. He's protecting an, an image. And so that's why maybe not. Maybe not. And if, it's, if he's not spoken to you since then, there's quite clearly a very good reason, and he's obviously decided on it. Uh, somebody else saying, am I too old for nightclubs at 60? Way too old. Way too old. And I don't think it's got anything to do with looks. It's to do with, you know, a 60-year-old going to a place. I think if you're over 19, 20, you shouldn't be going to nightclubs anyway. It's not for us. It's for younger people. Much, much younger people. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, there is another Theresa May out there. She's very upset. She's very upset because she's, um, she's a real Theresa. And she has tweeted her dismay at being confused with the Prime Minister. This one is a, is a topless model. She's a glamour model. And she starred in, uh, in films as well. Uh, such well-known titles as All Nude Page 3 Models. And was in the Prodigy video for the hit single Smack My Bitch Up. 
Fantastic, isn't it? I mean, you sometimes wonder which, which language you've wandered into. But uh, I don't know how old she is. A little bit difficult to uh, to work out. She could be anywhere between about 30 and death by the look of the picture. She's fairly ancient, as models go. But uh, she's no relation to Theresa May, but she's getting, you know... So, they, so, so you, you can have her, because she's a Theresa May, and the other Theresa May at the same time. But the Theresa May is going to be the Prime Minister, is not the one who has appeared in the Prodigy's video, Smack My Bitch Up, in it. Uh, Aussie and Sharon Osbourne plan to spend the next month deciding on their future following his emotional affair. They will have their first solid amount of time together after the X Factor judge admitted uh, she still doubts if she can trust him. I wouldn't thought you could trust him at all. I mean, you know, she's been his rock. She's been his rock. Goodness sake, honestly. A friend in L.A. said Sharon and Aussie will make the most of the next few weeks together. It's not going to help, is it? Because the uh, the daughter, the uh, the uninteresting one, has decided to write a tell-all book about the relationship and stuff like that. It's not going to help matters, is it? I mean, quite clearly, poor old Ozzy Osbourne's off with the fairies. Really, very bizarre. And top gear bosses, according to the paper today, have axed plans for two Christmas specials this year. Thank God for that. Chris Evans' decision to quit, or pushed, we don't know, as host after the ratings hit an all-time low, threw the show into turmoil. Why? You just don't have somebody there anymore. You just carry on doing it. Why would it throw it into turmoil? I never understand why people go, it's in turmoil because he's left and all the rest. It doesn't. You just carry on with it. You just sort of take out one presenter and just sort of just rewrite things. Blimey, it's not complicated. If they're having trouble with that, I think they need to get some proper producers in. They're quite clearly not fit for purpose. News at six is coming up this morning. It's Tuesday, the 12th of July. The new PM, Theresa May, can reunite the Tories and deliver Brexit. Nick Ferrari will be talking about that this morning. Uh, the Queen's Secret has slipped out. She's a massive fan of post-it notes. I love post-it notes. I think they're, I use them for everything. I've got all sizes, all colours, all shapes, everything. And you just rip one off and you just stick it on the telly or you stick it on your pin board. I love them. Do you use, do you use post-it notes back through there? No. You don't even know what they are, do you, really? Have they reached Australia, post-it notes? The whole of Australia is a post-it note place. Uh, how old is too old for a tattoo? Well, David Beckham put it this way, is way too old. And uh, multivitamins for pregnant women. Totally pointless, they say. Don't bother. You don't need them. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hello, WI members. Yes, off out picking. As I pointed out on the programme, it's not the picking that's illegal. It's the picking and then selling them for a profit. You're not allowed to sell them. They're not your your property. So if you pick and eat, that's OK. Nobody's going to be prosecuted, as you can well imagine. So it's only the uh, the selling of them, which is what we pointed out on the programme. And Sally says, I've been scrumping cherries from next door's tree overhanging our garden. Well, I think that's OK. There's a limit to how many cherries you can eat, isn't there? We all do that. It's like they say, if ever you go to a... I pick your own farm. They say, eat as much as you like, because very shortly you'll be sick to death. It's like working in a sweetie factory. Eat as many chocolates as you can and then kind of, then kind of sort of just stop it because you go, I couldn't eat another chocolate. It'll put you off for life. Top of the telly rompers. You won't believe this one. Oh, why is it always the uglies? Anyway, uh, read the Masonic House in Covent Garden, used in the Bond movie and in Spooks, known to us uh, Masonic lot as Head Office, says Richard in Weybridge. I know, I did the, I did the tour round there. I thought it was great, actually. Uh, Steve, I was in Cargo nightclub in Shoreditch last year, age 51, and enjoyed it. Well, you shouldn't be in there. It's not for people like you. That's ridiculous, actually. That's Kevin the Milkman who says, the problem is they don't serve real ale. I know, it's it's sort of... 
I've not been to a nightclub for years. I mean, seriously, I do think I'm way too old for that kind of thing. I worked in them for, for years and years and years. And having worked in them for years and years and years, you kind of get yourself out of the habit. So if somebody said, oh, would you like to come for a night out in a nightclub or a discotheque or whatever they call them now? Uh, the answer is no, thank you. No, I've done that. I've been there. I'm sure it's very nice, but they're way too loud. You can't have a conversation. And uh, my, my dancing days, I think that's actually the dancing bit is very good for you because that keeps the weight off, doesn't it? You're sort of getting a workout every single night. And so that's why people love, uh, love stuff like that. And uh, so perhaps we can sort that out, actually, on the subject of the real ale. Uh, Sue Ann says, during World War Two, the WI cooked 46 tonnes of fruit and preserved vegetables. Perhaps we should be indebted. Well, I think we should be. I think they should all be locked up, frankly. They should definitely. <laughs> Sean in the north of Ireland, he says, uh, I hope this message finds you well. He said, thank you for going through the papers because I'm blind and therefore I'm unable to read the papers myself. Don't you get a talking paper? Friends of mine who are, who are blind, well, it makes it sound like I've got a, a, a whole busload of people, but I've got a couple of friends who are blind. They get talking papers. They really do. Uh, Justin Fletcher's cousin is Guy Fletcher, the keyboard player with Dire Straits. Wow, the stuff you learn on this programme, the rubbish you learn. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I've never worried about it before either. Uh, Steve, listening to you with Dawn Chorus at full pelt. Uh, it takes two. Actually, it takes two. You wonder how many people really listen to it and others who have forgotten to listen to the birds anytime soon. Well, you can't miss them around our way. We've got the parakeets. Seriously, we have 20,000 parakeets. That f- God, she's wearing far too much makeup, that poor girl on Sky. What is she wearing? And, uh, sorry, I was di- di- distracted by the girl on Sky who looks like she's trowded on with polyfiller. Way too much makeup. Way too much makeup. Honestly, really, we don't like that kind of image on Sky. It's no good, is it, really? Uh, so they're all talking about Theresa May, which is what Nick Ferrari will be talking about uh, this morning in the Cabinet members. Who's going to be in? Who's going to be out? Who's going to have to fight for their jobs? It's going to be very interesting. Um, here they are. Love Island's Olivia Buckland and Alex Bowen were crowned the show's top lovers last night. The pair held the record for having the most sex romps. She is so unattractive. I mean, really, why is it the ugly ones who go in for this? I mean, it's just... I mean, I never watched Love Island. I thought it was just a programme for debauched, desperately sad, lonely people. Yeah, probably. And uh, who decided to want to go on television and expose every aspect of their body. She's covered in cheap, tarty tattoos. She's not a looker. There's no looks here whatsoever. I don't know what you could do with her. But she's obviously very available. ITV love it so much they've recommissioned it because they've had so much coverage, haven't they? They managed to kick somebody off who was the Miss Great Britain because she was a bit a bit tarty. And so then you've got this, this picture of this girl, Olivia, who knocked up the most romps. And you look at her and you go, oh, dear. I bet your parents are thrilled. Oh, look, that's our daughter. The most romps on television. Whoa, I, I, you did really well there, lass. Thank you. Uh, Ollie's not over. Ollie Murr staying loyal to the X Factor and dodging TV rival The Voice. I'm not sure about Ollie Murs. I'm not sure if I've just gone off him or if I'm... I don't know. I can't, I'm, I'm sort of... I'm nonplussed. I can't work out whether I think he's actually a force to be reckoned with in the charts or he's just sort of a slightly better version than Peter Andre. I can't, I can't work it out. I don't know. Is he, is he seen as being a bit... Na- I mean, he's not seen as a superstar, is he, poor old Ollie Murs? He's certainly not going to travel around the world, you know, unless you go to Magaluf or somewhere like that. You know, they're not going to go in America. Ollie Murs, yeah, we think he's a great celebrity, can fill out stadiums, because I don't think he can. I don't think he's got enough fan base for things like that. I don't think Peter Andre's got enough uh, fan base power either. And so Ollie, uh, you know, I'm not sure. He couldn't do the... Um, 
uh, the presenting, could he? They had to sort of lose him from that. Because I think presenting is such a skill. It's such a skill. And people seem to think that it's so, so easy. That's what annoys me. And they go, ooh, that's so easy watching someone do that. It isn't until you watch people falling apart on television, like poor Ryland's husband, who was just so inane and so absolutely dreadful as to, you know, why don't they just go and pick some kid out of school who could probably read the auto cue better? He, he, he just knew nothing. He knew nothing. He had no... There was no uh, chemistry between them at all. And if you can have two people presenting on television and on radio, there's got to be some sort of chemistry between them. With Rylan and, uh, and the husband, they just bicker. It was really pathetic to watch. You can only imagine how long that relationship's going to last. Not that long. Uh, alien life, they think, is existing on Mars beneath the surface. Tiny microbes could be living in pools of water. Uh, they say they'll be similar to those found in huge underground water lakes in Antarctica. Because you know that in Antarctica, it's so frozen, but if you go down at the very bottom, there could be a huge lake. I think one point, was it 27 miles down? Can't even imagine it, can you? 27 miles down. That's like 10 times the depth that the Titanic is at. And, um, and, And there's a huge underground lake, so there would be sort of microbes in there. I mean, you know, when they say... There's life on Mars, which David Bowie sang about years and years ago. You know, they don't mean little E.T. characters wandering around. You know, they just mean it could be little microbes, which I'm just I'm prepared to uh, I'm prepared to go with that one as well. I don't mind. Actually, it doesn't bother me that there might not be life in other countries. Um, oh, dear. I was going to. Oh, I did like the story. I forgot to mention it. It's, it's a couple. Well, it's a mum, actually. And she has made her dining room a replica of Hogwarts. She's apparently spent £13,000. It includes moving pictures, a sorting hat and original props used in the films. Uh, She went to see the making of Harry Potter at the Warner Brothers studios and she spent 18 months transforming her home. She says her family, including children Elenae, Max and Kiri, are obsessed with Harry Potter. Yeah, they are now, but they won't be for much longer, will they? And Charlotte, who comes from Shrewsbury says, we went down to London to go to the studios and we thought, why don't we do this at home? I suggested it to my husband. We could do with an extra bedroom, but we can't move house now and leave that room. So she's created sort of like a Hogwarts type thing. <laughs> People do the oddest things, don't they? People do the oddest things. I quite like it. I quite like it, but I'm not sure. I'll tell you what I watched the other day. God, what a dreadful programme. The Housewives, or as I prefer to call them, the Real Chavs of Cheshire, which is another one based around the world. They've got the most revolting people. Really, one of them. I mean, she doesn't look like she can string two words together. She's another, you know, yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but in it. And she's like that all the way through. Then there's a few old tarty looking ones. And then there's um, some people. I mean, really? Chavy, chav, chavs up in Cheshire. Ghastly place. Because anybody with any class wouldn't be appearing on a television programme like that one. Because it's supposed to be based on the on the American version. Or American versions. And uh, they don't actually achieve anything. They don't achieve anything. All they do is argue. Uh, some of them shout and scream at each other. I mean, really, very low-rent people. Very low-rent people. Uh, a lot of people talking about uh, Theresa May. Can she deliver? I don't know. I'm sure that Nick Farry will sort that out this morning. I'm sure they've got a few things up their sleeve. Well, I hope they have anyway, because otherwise we are, really are going to be up the, uh, up the creek without the paddle. Years ago, says Ian, I used to deliver... Chinese food, and at the end of the night, I could have whatever I wanted off the menu. Since I left, I haven't eaten Chinese once. <laughs> uh, I like that, actually. I like that. Um, 
I think it's a good idea, actually, to sort of put yourself out. I mean, I, I do like Chinese food. I like uh, Thai food. I like Indian food. It doesn't kind of like me, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, Graham says, um, uh, the comment on nobody over 40 going to discos was utter rubbish. Uh, if you like, go and... No, you're far too old, Graham. You have to just accept the fact you're an old man and you shouldn't be going to places like that. It's for younger people. He says, I'm nearly twice that age and uh, absolutely love it, especially the Ibiza clubs. No, it's not for you. That's, that's a bit perverted. You shouldn't be allowed anywhere. I mean, if I was running the door, you wouldn't be allowed anywhere near it. You want an old man like you turning up. It's absolutely ridiculous. He says, everybody is nice and friendly and lots of people talk to you because they feel sorry for you. That's why. Have you not realised? So I put, hello, old man. What are you doing in here? You with us younger people? You go, yeah, I, I love it. I really do. I like dancing to the Beatles. Oh, dear, you're way past it. Way past it. He says, trouble is you mostly have to keep oldies out. Can't do the club reputation. Well, you shouldn't be allowed anywhere, Graham. Way too old for stuff like that. Absolutely, I've never anything like it. Really, absolutely terrible. Uh, I remember the programme Love Boat, says Dion. Oh, I bought the box set of Love Boat as well. It was something I bought. And that was good. That was, that was, uh, that was set on, a, on a, an ocean-going liner, but you knew it was all set. Uh, out of Florida, I think. But they were very good. There were all things going on every day. And uh, the Love Boat box set, worth getting. If you want a bit of nostalgia. And something that's sort of, it's light and frothy. Who wants very heavy programmes on the television? We don't. We want light and frothy. That's why you got me here in the morning, just before breakfast. LBC News Time, 6.15, with the latest headlines for you this morning. It's Simon Conway. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So there's, oh look, Prince William's out again. He's uh, wearing somebody's uniform here on a nuclear submarine. Uh, I don't know what uniform that is. Perhaps they've got a whole array of them for him to wear somewhere. Perhaps, perhaps two or three, or something like that. They're obviously trying to keep him sort of busy, but just going out, shaking hands. I don't actually class as a job. Professor Jonathan Shallot, twice in a programme, good Lord above, says, you're so right, presenting is very skilled. Audiences often do not realise. I know there is an art to it. What anybody says, I remember having an argument with a friend of mine years ago, saying, oh, anybody can do what you do. And you go, no, they can't. That's the whole idea. That's why I'm doing it and they're not doing it. And when you watch somebody who really can't do it, you sit there going, oh, my goodness. It's almost You can't imagine why somebody can't do it, but they can't. Anyway, since you ask, recently I've signed up. He said, this is confident to go no further. Just between me, you and everybody else listening this morning. Dame Joan Collins, who at 83, uh, I'm producing a new film called Time of Their Lives. Pixie Lot, starring in Breakfast at Tiffany's, Theatre Royal Haymarket. Catherine Jenkins, yes, we love Catherine. Judge Rinder, soon to go to America, good. <laughs> Paul Zerdin, starring in uh, Las Vegas. Yes, I'm waiting for him to come back, actually. Because Paul and I go back to when he was 14. 14, I first met him in Vienna. You ask him, I took him to the uh, Vienna Magic Shop when his uh, mum was working over there. Uh, so he's doing very well in Vegas. Dr Chris Van uh, Tulikan who's embarking on a daring medical experiment for a new BBC One factual series. So there you go. So he's, uh, he does have most of the... Pi- and when you see pictures in the paper, most of them appear to be with young, uh, young Jonathan. Do they not? Do they not, young man? So uh, at least the money's still coming in. I always think that's a good idea, isn't it? If you can make money in this day and age, you've got to be doing something right. Oh, here's somebody who can do something right for us. It's Tom Daly. We're all backing GB. And uh, the athletes, uh, athletes going for gold uh, would be Mo Farah. Uh, Jessica Ennis-Hill, Amber Hill, Nicola Adams, and Petey, Tom Daly for diving, Greg Rutherford for long jump, Sir Bradley Wiggins for cycling. And uh, they'll all do, we hope they'll all do very well. That's what we're, that's what we're expecting, aren't we? That's what we're expecting over there. Uh, and as Tom Daly seemed, his speedo seemed to get smaller and smaller and smaller. 
I don't know. I think it must be something to do with aerodynamics. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... I think that's what it is. I think it's aerodynamics. In other words, you know, the smaller the outfit you're wearing, the less the drag is in the water. That, that's what I think it is. Just checking my signs uh, today, my star signs. Uh, health and finances have been a thorn in your side. It's true. No, absolutely not. But apparently I've got some extraordinary powers of creativity. Yeah, right. <laughs> I never believe anything like that. I like going through them, but I, I, don't, uh, I don't actually bother at all. Uh, 84850... Steve at LBC. Uh, Natalie, I don't know whether you've, where you've just come from, dear. Have you have been under a shell or something? She says, it seems that everybody on the internet has overlooked Ryland and Hubby Dan's presenting skills or lack of them. You're joking. Two days running, all the TV critics have said they were dreadful. No, uh, no, no, nothing. They had no nothing. I mean, absolutely no nothing. They had no chemistry. Uh, Dan can't read, apparently, as an inability to read an auto cue, which is just big words on a screen which somebody moves at your speed. So you can don't forget you can listen. You know, it's not difficult. He apparently has an inability to do that. So that's going to prevent him from doing just about everything. Thank goodness. It says instead they're being congratulated for making history as the first gay couple to present this morning. Really? You see, I don't think that's very exciting. I think that's almost patronising. The first gay couple. God, they're not gay as well as bad presenters, are they? Oh, blimey, that really is a bit of a disaster. But I, it always makes me laugh. I love stuff like that. It's, it's so funny when you say, a first gay couple, do you think, oh, dear. I think, I think they, they, they've kind of moved the bar a little bit too fast for them. Uh, bring back Clarkson. It would be more popular than, uh, than ever, says Tom in Basingstoke. You know what we think about Basingstoke. And then some poor creature called Peter. And it's, it's obviously a, a sad person. In fact, he's obviously a very sad person. He says, you're always critical of everybody's looks. What kind of mirror do you look into? I look into the Steve Allen mirror. What, are you stupid or something? Honestly, the, the girl on Love Island is a minger. What are you talking about? Well, you think that's good looking, do you? Oh, blimey, I tell you what. I mean, it's because you're old, isn't it, Peter? That's, that's your problem, really, I think. Boris Cannon and uh, we'll be the water cannon, cannon minister. I think I'd give him a job, actually, on LBC. I'd have him doing a, doing a programme, Boris. Definitely, we've heard him before doing them. I think it'd be absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, a lot of people are saying, well, let's see what, uh, what Theresa brings to the table. Yes, I mean, I, I agree as well. I agree as well. Let's see what she can bring to the table. But she's certainly not going to be getting rid of any criminals anytime soon because nobody else has managed it. And yet they, uh, they sort of go, oh, yes, she's going to be doing this. And she's saying all the right things, but uh, whether or not they can deliver... Remains to be seen. Let's, uh, let's watch that one. So the front pages of the papers. Uh, the Daily Star, still only 20 pence, but there's not too much in it. Uh, I'll make Britain great again, come what may. That's Theresa May. Uh, I bet you anything, by the end of the week, she'll have had her hair dyed. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Murray's 3am bender, 3.30am bender. Good grief, honestly. Just as I'm sort of arriving at work, he's out uh, staggering out of a nightclub. An early election, bring it on. Because 199 Tory MPs have just chosen Theresa May as Britain's new PM. That's 0.0004% of the electorate. In 2007, she demanded that Gordon Brown hold a general election because he didn't have a democratic mandate. So in her own words, we now say, bring on an early election. The Sun, heel boys. PM Theresa can reunite Tories and deliver Brexit. Whether or not she hangs on to a lot of people remains to be seen. Who's in, who's out, you'll be finding out later on tomorrow. Uh, the Express, Andy Murray, said he'd celebrate, and he certainly did. We had a drinky poos. Uh, quite a few drinky poos. And then staggers outside. Always unwise, actually. If you're going to have a little drinky poos and you're going to celebrate, then uh, why don't you just sort of do it at home? 
And that way nobody can watch you staggering out of a nightclub in the early hours of the morning, which is always terribly embarrassing, isn't it? It's terribly embarrassing. Um, somebody else here. So uh, this says... Uh, da, da, da. A lot of people talking about Theresa May and talking about what she stands for and what she doesn't stand for. So we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Make sure you get us out of the EU. Message to our new Prime Minister, say, the Daily Express. And they've got a picture of Andy Murray looking well the worse for wear. People never look good, though, do they? When they stagger out of a night, go, oh, drink... And you stagger out into the cold light of day and you go, oh, my God, I feel awful. They must be, they must be sitting there with their heads slumped in their laps most of the time. Uh, the I May Day, uh, she becomes Prime Minister tomorrow after Leedsom dramatically quits the Tory leadership race. Cameron says he's delighted. Uh, he'll meet the Queen to hand in his resignation. And as he scoots out of Buckingham Palace, Theresa May will scoot into Buckingham Palace to say I'm now forming a new government and the Queen will sit there because this will be another Prime Minister she's met. Honestly, she must be. She's probably said to Philip, it's another one. There's another Prime Minister. I'm meeting another Prime Minister. And he'll be going, I don't know, old girl. You know, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Because he's like that, actually. He's funny. Uh, The coronation of Theresa after historic day becomes PM tomorrow. She vows to make Brexit a huge success, according to the Mail. Plans to heal rifts with cabinet of all the talents. Can't wait to see who she's going to use. This is always the interesting thing, isn't it, for everybody in the in the media. I mean, the race to pick up the new cabinet, you know. Uh, also, should you wear ripped jeans at any age, say the Times 2? And the answer is, every time I see somebody with them, I say, do you know you've got moths in your wardrobe? And they look at you like you're balmy because people are buying these jeans which have been ripped by somebody. So they make them and then they just rip them. I can't help feeling, why do you just buy jeans and then rip them yourself? Or is that beyond everybody's bounds of capability. And uh, so when you see people wearing ripped jeans, you go, that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's like people who quite clearly can't walk in their work shoes and you see them getting off the train at Waterloo wearing trainers underneath a very smart skirt or men wearing a suit and they've got trainers on and you go, oh, peasant. I always point and laugh. Ha, ha, ha. You can't walk, can you? Because your feet hurt. It's always the same way, isn't it? Always the same way. Best deal for Britain, say the Telegraph. Theresa May promises she will deliver the best deal for the country. Ghastly shoes she's wearing. And as I say, I reckon by the weekend she'll have had a dye job on her head. They'll be going, no, they're going to make her look uh, glad. She's going to be glammed up. You watch. All of a sudden her clothes will change dramatically. It's what they do with things like that. It's what they do. When I started here, I used to turn up off the shoulder numbers and stuff like that. And they say, no, we need to give you a makeover, Steve. And so I had, you know, the makeover and I started wearing clothes, which, you know, not not so much fashion, more fit. You know, if you find something to fit you at this day and age, it's a bit of an achievement, isn't it? I like that. But uh, I might go out today and buy some some fun things for the summer. Oh, by the way, incidentally, in case you were asking, I did finally manage, with the help of you out there, manage to get to the Tommy Bahamas website and I ordered six shirts yesterday, which even as I speak are being DHL'd over. So brace yourselves, DHL. He's back. He's back. I'll be heading up to Heathrow once I get the card through the door. So we've ordered them. And the note says they've, they've been dispatched. Very excited. Very excited. Not had any for ages. So this could be the new me again, couldn't it? Anyway, have yourself a great day. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. You download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. We seem to be going up by about 100 a day, actually, which is quite nice. Steady, steady but slow, I think they say. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow morning to do it all over again. I'm going to have a lazy day today. I might go and get the car washed. Oh, no, wait a minute, there's no point, is there? It's going to rain. It's going to rain again. That's all we need. 
I really don't want it. I really don't want it. Uh, eight, so eight forever. Graham admits to having tattoos up his neck as well. This is the old man who goes to discos in Ibiza. <sighs> Saddo. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.